we're gaveled in. Um, <clears throat> good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to the December 1st, 2021 recess meeting of the Arlington County Planning Commission. And I'm Jim Lantelli, the commission chair. This is the second of two evenings scheduled for our public hearings this month. Tonight, our sole item will be a presentation and recommendation on the request to advertise the Pentagon City Phase Development Site Plan Update, which includes adoption of the plan, an accompanying GLUP Master Transportation Plan, and zoning ordinance amendments. But before we get to that, uh, for the safety of our staff and residents, we're holding this meeting virtually. Uh, welcome to our commissioners, county staff, applicants, and community members who are all joining us remotely. We're legally authorized to hold this virtual meeting based on the governor's executive orders, legislation adopted by the Virginia General Assembly and the County Board's Continuity of Operations Ordinance, which was adopted in March of 2020. Now, before we begin, I have a few specifics to orient everyone to this virtual environment. Tonight's meeting is available as a broadcast with closed captioning on Comcast Xfinity channels 25 and 1085, Verizon Fios channels 39 and 40, and the county's website. Audio of tonight's meeting is available by phone. If commissioners, presenters, or speakers lose internet connectivity during tonight's meeting, please reconnect with us by phone. You can use the number provided in your team's invite, which is 347-973-6905, with the conference ID of 212-285, one nine three hashtag and registered speakers have received Ms. Johnson's telephone number in their speaker registration confirmation for other presenters and speakers joining us through Microsoft teams. Please keep your phones and devices muted until you're called upon. Please turn off the sound to any other devices around you to minimize interference. And unless you're speaking, please keep yourself on mute and your video turned off to preserve bandwidth. When called upon to speak, you must unmute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon that's located in your meeting's command bar. The moderator does not have the ability to unmute you. Only you can do that. If you're dialing in by phone, press star six to unmute. Commissioners, if you wish to be recognized, use your hand raise function or turn on your video and unmute your microphone to signal your interest and I'll call upon you in order. For public speakers, You will be called upon by the clerk at an assigned time. Pre-registration for tonight's uh, meeting was required. We're not able to accommodate additional speakers. Public comment will take place within the same timeframes as we would provide at an in-person meeting. Speakers will have three minutes to comment as individuals and five minutes to speak if representing an organization. A speaking timer will be displayed on the screen by the clerk. If you're dialing in by phone and unable to see the screen, we will provide an audible warning when 30 seconds are remaining. You will be muted when your time is concluded. As you can see right now, the the speaker's clock looks like what's on our screen right now. The meeting chat is active for presenters or commissioners who need technical assistance only. Do not use the meeting chat for discussions or public comments, questions about agenda items, or requests for more information. All public comments must be shared verbally for the record during the assigned public testimony period. Finally, this is a public forum. Tonight's meeting will be recorded and posted on the county's website. All information associated with tonight's meeting, whether written or spoken, is subject to the Virginia Freedom of Information Act requirements. Now we can move on. Madam Clerk, can you please call tonight's item? 
Certainly. We'll begin with item number four, request to authorize advertisement of public hearings by the Planning Commission and County Board to consider the following elements associated with the Pentagon City Planning Study. 4A, adoption of the Pentagon City Plan. 4B, general land use plan, the GLUB, map and booklet amendments. And 4C, master transportation plan, MTP, map amendment. And 4D, Arlington County zoning ordinance amendments. We have Matt Matuzic, our planning staff, to present this item. Welcome, Mr. Matuzic. The uh, screen is all yours. Great. Thank you. Let me... Give me one second here. All right. Can everybody see that? Yes, it's up on my screen. Okay. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Matt Matuzek with the Planning Division. Uh, I'm joined tonight by several other staff from the Department of Community Planning, Housing and Development, the Department of Environmental Services, and the Department of Parks and Recreation. We will be providing an update on the Pentagon City Planning Study as it concludes, culminating in the adoption of a uh, plan and its associated implementation actions. Uh, for general awareness, uh, I would also like to acknowledge that moving forward, the document itself will be referred to as the Pentagon City Sector Plan. Uh, this is something I realize that has not been shared in our staff report or the other materials that were distributed in advance of tonight's meeting. Extract and transition. Um, so tonight's presentation covers five key areas that I would like to highlight before our discussion. Um, begins. I, I do realize not everyone may be as familiar with the study and therefore the presentation intentionally provides some background information uh, to ensure we all have a common starting point uh, before moving forward. So these next few slides highlight some of the background information that we believe is pretty relevant to the planning effort uh, and presents that basis for uh, broader understanding. So following Amazon's 2018 decision to locate their second headquarters in Arlington, uh, there's been considerable attention given to how those headquarters may shape the immediate vicinity in which we will be, they will be located. Um, during this time, various stakeholders also began to consider how the surrounding Pentagon City neighborhood should react to this new reality. Um, and much of the surrounding development surrounding the Pentagon City Metro Station uh, has been guided by earlier planning efforts uh, dating back to the 1970s, which established the original mixed-use vision for the area. This is what we refer to as the Pentagon City Phase Development Site Plan, or PDSP, uh, which at the time preceded any sector or area plan work by county planners. Uh, since that policy document had only undertaken one major update back in 1997, and considering the impact Amazon's arrival will have on this area, it was determined in April 2019 that a comprehensive analysis of key Pentagon City properties would be most appropriate. Uh, and the resulting approach uh, was then shared with the Long Range Planning Committee in early 2020, uh, and then followed by a selection process to identify a consultant team that would work with staff uh, on that planning effort. Uh, following that guidance uh, from 2019 and 2020, the ongoing effort has focused on most of the parcels that historically were governed by that Pentagon City PDSP, 
but also the adjacent river house property along Joy Street, which comprises about 36 acres. Uh, I should note that uh, the study area excludes the block where the Costco store is located. This is regulated by a separate planning document called the Pentagon Center Phase Development Site Plan, whose vision was established in 2015 and has slowly begun to implement its long-term growth strategy there. Um, given the recent developments completed or which are under construction within the Metropolitan Park block, the planning study also did not focus on that particular parcel uh, given its uh, current conditions. So these next few slides summarize the public engagement process that has occurred uh, thus far to give you a sense of how we got here. To aid in the planning process, uh, county staff has enlisted the help of a uh, incredible consultant team. It's very familiar with Arlington County. Uh, and also established a focus group uh, comprised of various stakeholder representatives. Um, and the focus group was really chaired by Commissioner Lantelmi and former Commissioner Siegel. Uh, throughout the study, this group really helped facilitate many thoughtful conversations and offered in insightful feedback on all aspects of the Pentagon City Sector Plan. Uh, beginning in the summer of 2020, uh, the first 20 months of the planning process uh, began with uh, stakeholder interviews, leading to a formal community kickoff uh, and five additional public workshops that led well into 2021. Um, beyond the broader public outreach, the focus group uh, met on a monthly basis um, through July of this year. Uh, staff also utilized virtual office hours and constituted a subcommittee focusing on the topic of biophilia, which after several months, concluded its work through an in-person walking tour. Um, switching gears to some of the recent activity, um, as the framework of the plan became available and the early drafts were developed, staff began briefing various committees and commissions throughout this fall. Uh, we've also facilitated a successful virtual open house in October, which was followed by approximately a three-week online engagement opportunity to gather uh, additional uh, feedback. Later in the presentation, I'll highlight what the remaining schedule looks like uh, moving forward. So this next section uh, really is the core of the presentation, highlights the key components uh, of the draft sector plan uh, that we have in front of you. Consistent with its intended purpose, uh, the sector plan outlines the updated vision for Pentagon City and the conditions under which future growth should occur, as well as the mechanism under which we could consider any future site plan proposals within the study area. Uh, it does so by relying on several key components, uh, which we're going to outline next. The sector plan organization, an outline if you will, uh, continues to grow. The updated version um, has several additional items that were not there uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and that's really reflective of, I think, a lot of the requests that have come in from community uh, and even internally uh, to address uh, a number of different items. I would like to use this opportunity to focus on two sections in particular, though, uh, the vision uh, as well as the development framework. But before we do that, um, it is worth highlighting the critical section that happens to be situated right in between those sections, uh, which is the planning analysis. Uh, and to really understand the level of discussion this process represented and the broad spectrum of topics that were addressed, 
Uh, I really encourage everyone to read through these 15 pages as they really set the stage for the rest of the plan and why certain things were identified uh, for key recommendations. Uh, this included a new and succinct vision statement um, for the study area, uh, which also highlights the context in which this work is taking place. Uh, we believe uh, the evolution of this uh, addresses a, a number of feedback and uh, suggestions that have come in from different stakeholders. Uh, and we do expect that it, it may continue to evolve uh, as we move forward for uh, final county board consideration. That vision statement is also supported by six planning principles. Uh, we began with five, but the element of biophilia warranted its own uh, planning principles. So you can see these here, um, and they really reflect guiding elements that were established early on in the process, and which we hope will continue to inform the implementation of the sector plan moving forward. The next series of slides shift gears a little bit towards the uh, sector plan's development framework. Um, and these next 15 or so, I think, have been strategically organized to really correspond with the progression of our planning effort. Uh, so I think those that have been closely following it will start to see, uh, I think, the evolution of ideas and how one subject led to another, uh, which really I think we wanted to highlight because there was an intention behind uh, the order and sequencing of discussions. Uh, so. Once our draft planning principles were developed, the planning study really started to prioritize improvements to the area's connectivity uh, before any other aspects really of the plan were considered. Um, the exhibit you see on this slide really captures the resulting network of pathways, which intentionally account for a number of the existing buildings uh, that we'll, we expect will remain into the future and strategically weaving key sections of the study area together. And this really ensures that no particular block uh, is able to, I think, uh, stand in the way of the progress we're hoping to achieve with near-term and long-term development opportunities uh, and allow enough flexibility and certainty, this is kind of the balancing act throughout the uh, sector plan, to make sure that we're in areas where we need to be prescriptive, we're, we're hitting that bar, but also allowing enough opportunities uh, for adjustments that may be needed at the time of a specific site plan uh, review. Um, the green ribbon branding, I think, is also worth highlighting because uh, th this, this phrase shows up uh, throughout the sector plan, and it does have several different intentions, I think. Um, and it, I think as the update continues, uh, we hope that the green ribbon branding really becomes part of the identity for Pentagon City moving forward. Um, our hope is that as key segments of that network become realized, um, and continue to be maintained, Pentagon City can shift away from just being known for the mall uh, and rather being known for some additional connectivity and green elements that represent uh, our emphasis on biophilia. And this has been a consistent, uh, I think, theme uh, expressed to staff and our consultants throughout the stakeholder interviews at the beginning of this uh, planning effort. That pathway, um, as you read through the plan and, and look at the appendix, which has a whole design menu to choose from, uh, does represent some consistent uh, themes in terms of how this uh, character uh, is supposed to be delivered uh, among all the different sites. Uh, so we try to uh, identify a minimum dimension that we believe every segment needs to uh, deliver, but there are also opportunities where that pathway could be widened 
uh, and its character will change. Some sites are much more urban. Some will have a much more residential character. Uh, and we need to address issues like topography, uh, utilities, and other challenges uh, that may lie ahead. But that sort of information is kind of embedded throughout the plan and the appendix. In concert with, and really as the next main topic that was tackled by the planning effort was how do these pedestrian pathways lead directly into broader public spaces throughout the study area? And how do we ensure that um, we don't just concentrate them in one particular block, but do our best to make sure that as many property owners as possible are able to commit and contribute to this broader network of public spaces? So this exhibit here, focusing on parks and plazas, gives you a sense of how that distribution occurred, again, prior to uh, us being able to identify where the development opportunities existed and how much of the private properties could be occupied by physical buildings as redevelopment happens. Um, some of the particular gains I think that are worth uh, highlighting uh, are located on the Riverhouse property, which I'm highlighting here. Uh, and this particular gain is noteworthy because it's realigned segment of Joy Street uh, could really establish uh, a significant gain of contiguous park space to the Virginia Highlands Park, which uh, once it's able to be master planned, could really become an incredible opportunity and uh, an amenity to the growing population in this area. Shifting gears from the public realm into the private side uh, of the equation, you know, you can't travel Pentagon City and not recognize that there's some deficiencies with respect to vegetation uh, and tree canopy. Uh, and that is something that we've tried to consider as we were beginning to understand how redevelopment could occur moving forward. So in light of those existing conditions, what you'll notice in the plan is really a strong sense of minimum commitments that each property needs to deliver as they uh, holistically redevelop or even consider phased approaches to long-term redevelopment. And we've tried to establish that through minimum percentages of site area that need to be occupied by tree canopy, vegetation, sometimes uh, vegetation that occurs at the roof level or terraces, even vertically um, along the building edges, and also the surrounding public realm uh, in the public sidewalk area. So we believe that this really will enhance uh, the environment in Pentagon City and shift away from uh, the current conditions that exist on some of the parcels. The, those same statistics, I think, play directly into the site and building form standards that are found in the sector plan, which speak to that remaining portion of the private property that could be redeveloped. You know, how do we sculpt the buildings um, as they begin to, uh, you know, go above grade and ultimately reach the you know, uh, total height? So there's a number of exhibits throughout the plan that speak to the type of articulation we would expect, the variation in height that we would want to have on some of the larger parcels, and some additional guidelines that uh, we believe will be the subject of discussion uh, at SPRC for these specific projects. One site in particular, which uh, I understand a lot of comments have been coming in uh, prior to this evening's meeting, uh, is the Riverhouse property. Uh, I've mentioned earlier uh, that from the very onset in 2019, the guidance to staff has been to uh, ensure that we are thinking more comprehensively in this analysis and uh, including uh, the potential redevelopment scenarios, but also the contributions that Riverhouse 
can have to the broader study area. And as we've done that, uh, we, we have treated Riverhouse a little bit differently. You've seen in the earlier slides that they have a higher percentage of vegetation that's expected, uh, but they also have some additional height restrictions that are placed on them, given their proximity to adjacent residential properties. What we've started to do in the earlier drafts of the sector plan is to really focus on the south southwest corner of the property, which you can see here in the yellow and orange uh, areas that have specific tapering uh, guidance applied to those edges of redevelopment. Uh, what we've done since then and is now part of the third version of the uh, draft plan is really continuing that height transition and, and uh, depression, if you will, of the building heights all throughout the entire western edge. Uh, essentially, any buildings that could face Lynch Street um, all the way up to Army-Navy Drive. So the blue area that you see there will have additional step downs that correspond to um, their unique proximity to adjacent uh, residential properties, but also account for the grade change that occurs there and the natural buffer that Lynch Street presents uh, with respect to the actual distance between the two buildings, which is not the case as you go further south where those yellow and orange areas are, uh, where you don't have the benefit of a public roadway providing that separation. From a transportation perspective, uh, we also wanted to uh, emphasize, uh, and again, this is difficult since we have so much content in the plan that speaks about transportation. Um, I, I think the point that's really most noteworthy is the aggressive nature of limiting the uh, single vehicle occupancy mode split to just 25% uh, moving forward with future redevelopment. Uh, it's a number that we've studied closely uh, in Crystal City and Pentagon City and we believe is uh, attainable. Uh, and it does require further monitoring uh, and some creativity uh, from site to site to ensure that the proper strategies are implemented and we are continuing to monitor that uh, the expectations are continuing to move forward uh, and assessing whether or not uh, any adjustments may be needed into the future. Um, again, I suspect we'll probably have some further discussion on this later on, but I did want to highlight uh, some of those key takeaways uh, on this subject. From a land use perspective, uh, if you total allow the assumptions that are embedded in the plan, the long-term full build-out, which can take several decades uh, as you may know, for these type of plans to become implemented could represent as much as 10 million square feet of additional density, which accounts for a modest uh, level of uh, demolition of existing structures. Uh, if applied to the existing inventory, that could yield a total of about, of about 23 million square feet uh, that would exist. Um, this gives you a sense of more or less what that use mix looks like, uh, accounting for the Amazon HQ2 headquarters, but really, I think a shift that we're seeing throughout the county where the market is really dictating a lot more of the residential uses to be delivered um, with new redevelopment. Uh, another way of evaluating that is to really focus on what we believe is the more predictable aspect of how the plan may be implemented. Uh, obviously, these are all subject to market conditions and decisions by private property owners. But based on a lot of the conversations we've had with those stakeholders, uh, we believe that a number of initial projects are likely to represent those near-term opportunities. Uh, as you see here, there are a number of residential buildings that uh, may be proposed on the uh, Simon property, 
uh, in the middle of our study area. There's also the Brookfield site located on 12th Street. Uh, and then we also have segments of the Riverhouse property, which is likely going to come in through a phased development approach given its scale uh, and uh, density there. So this gives you a sense of more or less what to expect uh, in terms of new density, but I think it's just as important to highlight the way in which that density is earned. Uh, and as we evaluate uh, the different strategies that we have in place, what I really want to kind of continue to uh, emphasize here is the broader strategy that emphasizes public realm improvements that are delivered at the time of the site plan activity and paid for by the developers themselves. So that we're not finding ourselves in situations where uh, we're kind of delayed, delaying the implementation of public um, spaces, whether they be plazas or mini parks, uh, because we're waiting for the CIP to kind of catch up to the speed of development sometimes when a number of projects may suddenly appear and um, kind of fall out of uh, line in our expectations. So I think sequencing it such that um, those are identified and delivered with the actual projects is really critical uh, and has been expressed as a priority from the community. Um, ensuring that the residual value of that new density that's identified in the plan is also achieving uh, community energy plan goals is also something that's uh, consistently come up with our stakeholder interviews, um, similar to making sure that the affordable housing requirements are satisfied within the study area and not somehow transferred elsewhere, uh, as sometimes may be the case with uh, the typical cash contributions towards AHIF. So we wanted to make sure that a proportional amount of density um, or proportional amount of on-site affordability uh, was associated with uh, the growth in this study area so that we could kind of have an expectation of uh, what each site may deliver as redevelopment happens. One of the other items that you'll find uh, in the third draft of this plan uh, is additional clarity regarding public facilities. Uh, this is something that we've continually throughout the study have been evaluating, but are finally at a point where I think uh, we can express uh, as part of the plan. You'll notice that in concert with the affordable housing uh, guidance, we are also able to uh, establish some potential ranges of students that may be generated uh, as redevelopment occurs in the study area, kind of mi mixing it between market rate and affordable housing units. Um, and then speaking a little bit more about the potential processes that a new school might need to undertake, um, given that APS is identified, uh, at some point in the future, a new elementary school might be needed in the zip code. Uh, similarly, I think we try to provide additional clarity regarding the current work being uh, taken by the fire station um, process to ensure that we have uh, capable uh, capacity moving forward. Uh, there is an ongoing search to identify a station on the east end of Columbia Pike, uh, but there may be additional opportunities that present themselves. Um, and in addition to those, the future uh, status of the community center and library also become critical. Uh, so a lot of those uh, efforts seem to be intertwined in subsequent processes that may need to be uh, identified and ultimately funded. And I'll speak to that in a second. Uh, part of those elements uh, can be found in the implementation matrix, which is found uh, towards the end of the report. Uh, some of the immediate actions, which you can see on the screen, are obviously part of our recommendation where um, we want to make sure that 
the plan itself can become implemented right away. So updates to the general land use plan, master transportation plan, and the zoning ordinance are included in there. But really, there's over 20 distinct action items that are identified here. Uh, and, and one of those does speak to, I think, a coordinated effort that we believe may be necessary uh, to really account for the master planning effort of the Virginia Highlands Park, uh, a potential school siting process, uh, and really the future of that community center and library. Uh, so I think ensuring that those things happen in a coordinated effort rather than an ad hoc analysis using different timetables is really, I think, a strategic decision that uh, really benefits everyone uh, and provides some certainty moving forward in terms of what may happen uh, on all those different aspects. The table that you see here is organized into several different categories. There's some things that we believe will require ongoing attention, uh, but also some things that we wanted to make sure we're grouped um, for purposes of expectation setting into short-term, mid-term, and long-term uh, opportunities. Um, some of the items that you'll find uh, in that matrix uh, correspond to uh, efforts that we've identified throughout the planning effort and have been tracking uh, for much of this year that we knew this plan may not be able to uh, properly address. Uh, so you can see how the breakdown of that, there's, there's some transportation, some public space, and some public facility elements, uh, as well as some additional items that have been included and organized by theme in that implementation matrix. This uh, next section uh, covers not the actual sector plan, but really its implementation actions, some of those immediate items that we just looked at in the implementation matrix. When we evaluate the general land use plan map, uh, and we look at the existing striping, uh, several things uh, I, I think become clear in that in order for this map to uh, kind of speak the same language and, and come into consistency with the sector plan, uh, it, it needed to have several amendments uh, applied. Part of it includes the actual boundary of GLUP note number four to be expanded and include the Riverhouse property, uh, but also I think uh, yeah, additional land use designations that, in some cases, for much of the PDSP properties, reflect what we already have in place in Crystal City in terms of the densities and land use mixes we want to anticipate, but also introducing some additional open space symbols that correspond with the future parks and plazas we have identified on those early maps I just showed you, uh, and also reflecting those height transitions that we've shown on the Riverhouse property and having a uh, transition between uh, high, medium, and medium uh, residential uh, uses there. High, medium, and high residential uses. Uh, finally, on the southern block uh, with Regency Care and Claridge House, we are showing additional opportunities for further but nominal growth along Front Street, uh, just north of the Dominion substation um, and east of uh, the Southampton property. In addition to that update, um, we are also going to update the GLUB booklet and reflect this new vision for Pentagon City, uh, kind of capturing some of the key takeaways from the sector plan. Um, but we are also using the opportunity to provide a minor update to the public facilities map, uh, considering the recent agreement between Amazon and Arlington County to house the Arlington Community High School in the Penn Place uh, development. Uh, we are calling it planned, not, not that it's been approved yet, but because it is, uh, there, is there is an agreement uh, to locate it in that facility. We did want to set the stage uh, for discussions that will happen next year 
in terms of its uh, final approval. Moving on to the master transportation plan, um, you can see here uh, we've expanded the crosshatch indicating future connectivity to correspond more closely with our study area, uh, encompassing the rest of the PDSP parcels as well as the Riverhouse site. Um, and we are also using this opportunity to do additional cleanup with the 12th Street segment by ensuring that it carries the type A arterial typology and more accurately reflects its current purpose, particularly with respect to the transitway expansion. From a zoning perspective, um, the area is generally governed by two distinct zoning districts. Um, what you'll see uh, in one of the attachments is that we are simply continuing their existence moving forward and introducing some site eligibility statements that then correspond with uh, a new special planning area in Article 9 that would speak to the uh, Pentagon City uh, sector plan and the coordinated redevelopment district. And this is where I think some of those core planning principles, vision statements, uh, and other objectives are going to be codified to make sure that we have a clear process that we can utilize in reviewing any site plans that may come in to implement the plan. And then finally, uh, in terms of uh, next steps, um, I did want to highlight uh, we have a meeting tomorrow night with the Housing Commission where a similar briefing um, is going to be provided, uh, and this will lead to the county board meeting uh, later this month. Uh, the RTA, uh, as you've seen, is specifically calling for uh, a return to uh, in February for final consideration. We are not uh, coming back in January. Uh, just to make sure we have enough time to address any comments that may come in, uh, we suspect the plan will evolve even further uh, as additional comments uh, are presented in response to this latest draft. Uh, so we want to make sure there's enough time to synthesize all of that and uh, track it accordingly before we finalize that plan. So with that, um, staff's recommendation is to adopt the attached resolution found in attachment one, authorizing the advertisement of public hearings by the Planning Commission uh, on February 2nd and the County Board on February 12th, 2022, to consider the following elements associated with the Pentagon City Planning Study, the adoption of the Pentagon City Sector Plan, the General Land Use Plan Map and Booklet, the Master Transportation Plan Map, and the Arlington County Zoning Ordinance, uh, Article 65, 712, and Article 9. Um, and I would like to put a finer point on this for everyone's awareness. Um, as noted in our staff report, the RTA is the first formal step toward county board consideration and authorizing the advertisement does not imply necessarily county board support. Uh, and I think that was uh, important to highlight uh, given that we do have several steps ahead of us uh, as we finalize this process. And with that, uh, that concludes staff's presentation. Uh, thank you, Mr. Matuzic. Um, <clears throat> Madam Clerk, do we have public speakers? Uh, you're on mute. Um, Madam Clerk, are you available? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, do we have a little sketchy public? over here? Okay, all right. And if I could just mention before I begin to call uh, the speakers' names, 
Uh, once you have spoken, please, if you could uh, turn your cameras off so that we can have more uh, Wi-Fi and internet access for the other speakers as well, please. Thank you. Let me share my screen. Is my screen visible? No, it's just a blank screen right now. Oh, okay. Matt Matuzzi, if you can hear me, um, I think you had to turn my, you had to stop my screen from presenting. Can you adjust that, please? Let's see. I, it says I stopped no sharing. Okay. Oh, yeah, it is a blank screen. Okay. Try this again. Um, it says sharing is paused until you return to the shared window. Okay. Well, <laughs> since my screen is not showing, I'm going to go ahead and call the first speaker. Um, since you all can hear me, the buzzer will go off at the end of the speaker's time. The first speaker is a five minute speaker the president of Aurora Highlands, that would be Ben DeVonzo. And Madam Clerk, can you give the 30 second warning also? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay. Well, okay, welcome Mr. DeVonzo. Hi there. Uh, yes, Ben DeVonzo, I'm not president of Aurora Highlands. I am going to be vice president uh, come the new year, but not quite yet. Uh, but I have been- <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, so I am representing Aurora Highlands on this project uh, and have been for the past year. And it's been a long undertaking with many good outcomes included in the final plan and many areas of outstanding concern that has been raised by us and our neighboring civic associations. In general, the good additions are that this plan adds new and needed housing to our area, which hopefully will address rising costs and rent and specifically calls for on-site affordable units. It also includes a strong emphasis on biophilia, uh, which has been something that our civic associations through the Livability 22202 initiative have called for. Although there is concern that biophilia could be taken to mean elements that appear in nature, but aren't actual nature, such as stamped concrete, rather than actual living plants, like um, moving water. Also, Pam, you probably don't want to be on video right now. Also, this plan provides a great deal of flexibility to developers. Uh, compared to, and it's interesting that this is now a sector plan, that's a new development, I believe, uh, but it is much more flexible than others like in Crystal City and Roslyn. 
there's some benefit to flexibility in hopes of more interesting architecture and use of space, but it also provides a lot of uncertainty to the neighborhood that the SPRC process may be inadequate to address. And unlike sites like Penn Place, Met Park, Pentagon Center, there is no plan that I know of to have small, smaller level PDSPs for Riverhouse or Brookfield which will have expansive proposals. And so the Planning Commission should really consider how it will address the review process that allows adequate review at the high and detailed level for these sites. Possibly the largest area of concern for the neighborhood, as Matt was sort of alluding to, is Riverhouse, especially the southern area and the open space connections there. The plan is to propose to eliminate the current Grace Murray Hopper Park, move its square footage to Joyce Street, and then potentially use the southern half of the park for vague purposes. Moving Joyce, causing an awkward squiggle, will be expensive and use up community benefit dollars for a site that could otherwise be used for other per community purposes. There's little question that Grace Murray Hopper Park needs improvement, but that could be accomplished in other ways. This is an example of the general approach to this document where instead of new open space, we're getting improvements to existing open space. And that's an important detail. But really, that movement of Joyce is not really something that I believe anyone in the neighborhood has asked for, including potentially the developer owning that site. Also, there is not a clear plan for filling the need for community center. The Aurora Hill Center uh, under this plan uh, is inadequate in terms of it's similar facilities like Arlington Mill, Walter Reed, and the library is also inadequate. The plan makes assumptions about placing a school at the site, something that there's a varied opinion about in the neighborhood. But if that does happen, there needs to be a clear plan for a replacement facility, ideally upgraded to account for the tens of thousands of new residents. There is a reference to co-locating both the community center, library, and school on the Aurora Hill site. Uh, that is something that's difficult to imagine and does not meet community needs. Uh, something like placing it on, if the current plan for Joyce remains on the uh, southern part of Grace Murray Hopper Park should be something to be considered. In general of community benefits, we also want to emphasize that elements, oh good, thanks for the timer, uh, that green ribbon elements that behave like a sidewalk with linear parks and are not normally counted towards a community benefit uh, and site plans now should not be counted towards such in the study zone. We also re agree with those who are raising concerns around pedestrian and bike circulation that could be much more robust, especially around 12th and 15th Street, as well as having much stronger standards for clear zones on all sidewalks, not just major ones. If the aggressive mode plan shifts are to be met, we need much more aggressive improvements than we have now. And it's along those lines that I'm pretty disappointed that the plan does not contemplate a new metro entrance for Pentagon City, given the new, many new uses expected. While it doesn't preclude a new metro entrance, the likely location on the corner of 15th and Hayes in Virginia Highlands Park would need to be accounted for in master park planning. Finally, this plan misses an opportunity to address community building in the area by not addressing existing problems of civic associations not being able to reach into high rises, not including ideas like on-site bulletin boards and information stations, and not addressing how diverse voices will be included in the next steps and processes in order to meet the equity goals. So this is based on just the one day review of how the new draft and look forward to engaging with the county and with the Planning Commission on future comments from uh, next steps. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Sorry about that. Let me take a few seconds to change the clock, please.
Okay, now we're beginning with our three-minute speakers. We have Mr. and please forgive me if I mispronounce your name. Ajdin Muratovic. Yes, hi, Ajdin Muratovic. But thank uh, you. No hard feelings. It's a hard <laughs> name to pronounce. Thank you. You may begin. All right, thank you. Uh, Chairman Lentomi, uh, commissioners and staff, uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to speak tonight. Uh, Mr. Matuzic's uh, presentation highlighted many of the positive elements of the draft plan, but I would like to express why I believe the current absence of a continuous protected bike corridor on 15th Street is a real missed opportunity. Uh, it's a missed opportunity to provide a transportation network that will improve our health and quality of life. It's a missed opportunity to modestly address one of the main concerns of Amazon's arrival, rising inequality and equity. And it's a missed opportunity to further distinguish ourselves from other and frankly competing localities such as Tyson's that have spent decades prioritizing cars over a vibrant urban fabric which is something what Americans increasingly want. Finally, it's a uh, missed opportunity to build in accordance with the uh, six data principles of the Pentagon, uh, the draft Pentagon city plan. So this might all sound very hyperbolic, but numerous peer review studies demonstrate not only the personal, but societal benefits of cycling. And for the sake of brevity, I will reference just one of them. A 2016 study shows that cyclists were 39% less likely to be overweight and 18% less likely to develop diabetes. But a fragmented network, the kind that we currently have in Arlington, uh, means that only the bravest and fittest can partake in uh, cycling as a serious means of transportation. So Arlington has a much better network than most US localities. I don't wanna seem overly negative. However, it is second rate at best compared to global leaders such as Amsterdam and Copenhagen and even cities that until recently prioritized cars and commutes from suburbs such as Berlin and Paris are investing in ways that are unimaginable in Arlington. Uh, Paris, for example, was spending almost $300 million over the next five years uh, to make its city more bikeable by citizens of all ages, skills and fitness levels. And the two principles uh, uh, that all of this is based on is that uh, cycling is a legitimate and ben beneficial form of transportation and that physically separating bike traffic from cars and pedestrians is mandatory for safety's sake. So um, let me wrap it up. This is, uh, I had more written than three minutes in time this well. But uh, basically I, uh, to, to conclude, I really think this is an amazing opportunity uh, National Landing, Pentagon City, Crystal City is really transformational and a neighborhood that is of national significance. And making that a protected bike corridor on 15th Street instead of relegating the cyclists to the periphery, uh, whether it's Army, Navy or 18th Street, would uh, really make that plan uh, awesome. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Pamela Van Hine. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm Pamela Van Hine. Uh, thank you uh, for Chairman Lentomi, uh, commissioners and staff for giving us the opportunity to speak tonight. I'm a pedestrian advocate and 36 year resident of Aurora Highlands. These are my personal comments on pedestrian issues with the plan. Although I am the PAC representative on SPRC's in 22202. 
Please listen to those of us who live in Pentagon City area and already use active alternative transportation modes. If the PCPS plan is to succeed, we need to plan now for car-free, car-light travel for the entire D.C. region. Otherwise, we will have horrific, unmanageable traffic gridlock and pollution. I want to make a few points about the sidewalks, green ribbons, and the bicycle network in the PCPS. Sidewalks. Please provide a 10-foot minimum clear zone on all Pentagon City streets. Currently, only uh, the only 10-foot minimum that are specified are for uh, 12th Street and for Hayes, but we need it on all of the streets in our area. Also, please provide minimum dimensions for both landscaping and shy zones. As far as I know, they are not in the plan. Also, please provide minimum features for the landscaping zones. I didn't see those in the plans either. The green ribbons. The green ribbons are wonderful, and they will give us access through the mega blocks that are all throughout Pentagon City that don't seem to be having any uh, normal uh, street grids added. They need to be designed and managed to provide safe access for all users, including cyclists and micromobile users. Green ribbons are in addition to, not a substitute for, safe, wide, pleasant sidewalks throughout Pentagon City. The bicycle network. Providing separate, safe, protected bike facilities throughout Pentagon City is a pedestrian safety issue as well. If cyclists do not have their own separate safe space, they either have to ride with traffic on the streets or ride with us on the sidewalks. Both options are dangerous and not acceptable, as the previous speaker noted. Plan now to provide protected bike lanes throughout Pentagon City planning area for everyone's safety. This is not just on 15th, though of course we need it on 15th, but also on 18th and 12th and on the name streets as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Bailey Edelson. Hello. Hello. Um, uh, Mr. Chair, members of the commission, uh, my name is Bailey Edelson and I'm a senior vice president with JBG Smith, uh, the owners of River House. Um, I want to thank staff and the community for all the hard work that they've put in um, this planning process. And we are excited that the plan will unlock the true potential of Pentagon City. Um, sorry. Uh, there are, however, a few issues that we still feel need to be addressed in order for this plan to be successful. Um, it should be noted that River House is a unique property in Pentagon City and throughout the county. Um, the size of the site, along with its physical features, means that a one-size-fits-all approach um, to its planning uh, just won't work uh, for the River House site. With that in mind, um, we have a few concerns remaining. Um, although we are committed and excited about the creation of the green ribbon throughout our site, there are several areas that note a 60 foot minimum width, um, which we believe cannot be achieved everywhere. There are grade changes and other physical issues um, that will impact our ability to provide this width um, such that the, the requirements in those areas for a 60 foot width um, will not be achievable. Um, further, the location of the green ribbon shown on the plans uh, may not be viable. I know that um, the plan has added sort of dotted dash lines to indicate flexibility, um, but we 
we want to be clear that there are some locations that we already know um, likely will need to be changed um, and will you know need to be cited through the site plan process. Um, there's also a reference made to a pavilion um, on the portion of the the swapped Grace Murray Hopper Park. Um, we believe this reference should be eliminated unless the county and JBG Smith can agree on the nature of this building. Um, it's noted on page 104 of the draft plan. Um, we also would request additional clarity around the affordable housing commitment that will be expected. Um, and there are also a couple additions that were made in this latest draft of the plan that um, I should say we are still reviewing and may have additional comments on, um, one of which is uh, the addition of a 30% requirement for planting area and a 20% canopy requirement. Um, this was a, a big move that, frankly, we weren't anticipating. Um, we're concerned um, that the, the dramatic increase um, you know, may not be accommodated, but we haven't honestly had time to evaluate it. Um, so we wanted to note that. Um, we also have noted that that there's an additional request for a limitation of height on the western portion of our site, um, which again, I think we're evaluating uh, relative to some of the um, the requests in terms of the green ribbon and the width. Um, you know, if, if we're going to limit height in certain areas, then it, it, it impacts um, the uh, developability of the of the entire site. Um, with all that being said, we have extremely high hopes for the success of the plan uh, and the creation of a great future for Pentagon City. And we ask that you take these comments into consideration in your recommendations to the board. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Kedrick Whitmore. Good evening. Uh, my name is Kendrick Whitmore. I'm with Venable and uh, we represent Brookfield Properties, the owners of the 12th Street Landing property that's also referenced in the plan as the TSA site. Um, I'd echo Ms. Edelson's comments about uh, this process. It's been a really great example of a collaborative process with great input from all the stakeholders, great participation from staff, the community and the consultants. Uh, but uh, as she mentioned, we have uh, a few issues of our own that we believe merit some additional discussion here. Um, I referenced these issues in a message to the Planning Commission earlier this afternoon, but I wanted to mention them again here this evening on the record. Um, the first is with respect to the area in the northern portion of the 12th Street Landing property. This runs east-west through the middle of the block. This is the only place that's appropriate for this site to load from. Uh, it's bounded by roads on its other three sides and has to load on the northern edge. However, the plan calls for an 11th street to run east-west through this area. Given the physical constraints and the need to use this space for loading and service, it's impractical to expect a full throughway to be created there. We ask that you recommend the plan be revised to remove references to a street in this area. Biophilic design principles are the second uh, item of discussion. They're a critical part of Brookfield's plans both at this site and, and really throughout their portfolio. However, I think as, as Ms. Edelson also referenced, the planting and canopy coverage uh, has been revised in this latest version and uh, revised to a level that's impossible to achieve at the 12th Street Landing site. Uh, that's made particularly the case because this entire site, unlike some other sites in, in Pentagon City, are gonna have to be uh, over structure, over structured parking. And that really limits the planting opportunities. So while we uh, are, are gonna do everything we can to advance biophilic design principles, we think that a hard cap and requirement is a mistake 
uh, at least with respect to this property. So finally, um, we'd ask for clarity on, on two specific items, one related to the open space, uh, whether the open space requirements uh, shown in acreage include green ribbon space, um, and what some of the affordable housing commitments are as there appear to be some inconsistent obligations in the document. Um, but with all that said, I, I do wanna close on a positive note. I wanna thank staff and the community again for a really effective and, and collaborative process. Um, and we hope you take these issues into consideration and into your recommendation to the board. Thanks so much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Mark Capistrant. Hello, this is Mark Capistrant. Thank Hello, you. You may begin. Yes, we can hear okay, you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right. Yes. Yes. Hi. I'm uh, speaking tonight on behalf of the uh, Arlington Ridge House um, Condo Association as a as the uh, board member at large, and also we've been uh, collaborating with uh, concerned residents of the uh, Pentagon Ridge Condominium and the uh, representative condominium. On uh, October 17, 2013, the Arlington County Board voted to approve the Arlington Ridge Neighborhood Conservation Plan. On page 47 of that plan, it calls for no upzoning of the River House property and no further development beyond what is allowed by right, which I believe is 109 units. That site could support 109 unit apartment buildings or 109 townhouses. The Arlington Ridge plan on page three clearly shows the boundaries of the neighborhood and is a comprehensive plan at 190 pages long. A lot of work went into that that considers the Arlington Ridge neighborhood as a whole. The uh, Pentagon City uh, study shows lack of consideration for the 2013 Arlington Ridge plan. We are asking that the 2013 plan be respected and that the River House development proposal be removed from this new Pentagon City planning study. We are asking that zoning laws be followed and respected and we object to this uh, proposed blanket up zoning of these areas, specifically the River House and cap any development to the current zoning maximum of six stories with grade established at Joyce Street per current zoning guidelines. Um, the Pentagon City study has flawed boundaries. We ask that Pentagon City boundaries be used, including the largest Costco or the busiest Costco site in the nation and uh, the 25,000 workers for the Amazon site that will come in on a daily basis. Our three condos uh, communities house hundreds of residents in older but well-maintained buildings in an established neighborhood. It is important that we maintain the quality of life in our neighborhood because these buildings currently still a need for the missing middle. Um, you know, many owners bought units using uh, current zoning as their due diligence and utilizing the, um, the 2013 plan, they paid a premium for, you know, open space, views, views of the sky, sunlight, and this plan will block those views. It will affect the property values. They're already beginning to show with longer days on market, and we 
want this to end. We do not want this. Um, it's clearly showing that any public good from this plan is already being retracted by developers. And we are generally happy with our neighborhood as it is and would like to keep it that way. Um, this zoning, this upzoning proposal benefits a handful of corporate landowners through property entitlement at the expense of hundreds of current missing middle property owners and uh, adjacent properties. And we are not happy about that. Uh, thank you for your time this evening. Thank you. Our next speaker is Mark Cap. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Tina Galati. Good evening. My name is Tina Galati, and I urge the commission to not advertise, adopt, or endorse the Pentagon City Sector Plan at this time because the plan's scope extends beyond the Pentagon City boundaries into the Arlington Ridge neighborhood. The plan should only be adopted if it, if it excludes Arlington Ridge. Page 21 of the plan says 79% of all land zoned for residential development allows only single family detached housing by right. This statement does not apply at all to Arlington Ridge, which is the residential neighborhood adjacent to, not part of Pentagon City. Arlington Ridge already includes the fourth largest apartment complex in the greater Washington area, which is Riverhouse, comprised of three high-rise buildings. Arlington Ridge includes a mid-rise apartment building, Parliament House. Arlington Ridge also includes multifamily housing, such as the high-rise condominiums, Horizon House and the Representative, as well as low and mid-rise condominiums, the Cavendish, Ridge House, and Pentagon Ridge, and townhomes, Forest Hills. This mix of diverse housing types demonstrates that Arlington Ridge has already provided plenty of housing options for the missing middle. The arrival of Amazon is not sufficient cause for increasing density and in turn heights at Riverhouse. Redevelopments and developments elsewhere, located elsewhere in Arlington are sufficient to meet Arlington's revenue and socioeconomic goals. The burden should not be so heavily placed on Pentagon City, especially if an exception is made to include the Arlington Ridge property, River House. The plan does not incorporate, let alone mention the existence of Arlington's neighborhood conservation plans. The Arlington Ridge NCP, adopted, accepted in principle by the County Board in 1973, then updated and accepted in 2013, outlines the durable reasons to preserve Arlington Ridge's current zoning. Trying to make Arlington Ridge more like Pentagon City and Crystal City and similarly, similarly to Rosslyn and Boston disregards the NCP and contradicts other development principles by the county, such as key theme 1.3 from the county's 2018 Big Ideas Roundtable, which said neighborhoods offer unique character and a sense of community in a mix of urban and suburban settings. As many other homeowners in, Harlington, as in Arlington Ridge, I relied heavily upon the NCP when I bought my home in 2018. I again relied on the NCP when I decided to remain in my home, pay two special assessments, and refinance my mortgage. Yes, times change. We can't stop progress, but that is factored in our NCP. What is the purpose of the neighborhood conservation plans? other planning documents and county maps if we don't abide by them. Thank you for your time and careful consideration of my comments. Thank you. 
Our last speaker for the evening is Collier Cook. Good evening, Chair Good evening. and members of the Commission. As someone who passes through Pentagon City via bike to and from work, I also want to reinforce the previous comments requesting the inclusion of a continuous low-stress east-west bicycle route on 15th Street. Many of you on the commission are familiar with the bicycle element of the NTP that was adopted two and a half years ago. But for those newer members, I want to inform you that 15th Street is specifically identified in the MTP element as a primary bicycling corridor or a PBC. This PBC designation was reserved for the most frequently used or desired bicycling routes within and across Arlington County. The primary bicycling corridors are the most important routes for bicycle travel and should have the highest priority for bicycle facility improvement. They collectively form the framework for the more comprehensive, more comprehensive bikeway network across Arlington. The bike, bicycle element also mentions that improving the bicycle accommodations within the PBC corridors can benefit pe pedestrians as more bicyclists will shift from riding on the sidewalks to bicycling in the streets, making it safer for both users. Now, I understand the difficulties and the complexities in including a low-stress bicycle facility on all of 15th Street but these difficulties are not insurmountable. It can be done and should be reflected in this plan. So I seek your support in adjusting the plan to better align with the current bicycle element of the MTP by including this needed facility for a safer and more inviting Pentagon City. Thank you for the opportunity to speak and your consideration. Thank you, Collier. Um, I'd also like to mention just one more time, if you are not speaking or the commissioners do not call on you, please keep your sound and your cameras off. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk, and thank you to all our public speakers. Um, we now move on to, we have any of the county commissions that would like to speak who are present? Um, hearing none, um, I will now give the report uh, for the Transportation Commission. This was heard at the last meeting as an information item. Um, uh, you, we've actually heard a little bit of um, what Transportation Commission's concerns are um, from other speakers. Um, while overall it's, it's um, okay with, the, with this plan, concerns were raised about the characterization of the bike lanes on 15th Street South between Hayes and Ede Street. Um, and I'll be coming up to this more um, as we get into the meeting and we'll probably be, and we'll be proposing a motion on this. But in short, um, the way the, the maps on the plan right now are drawn, um, it seeks to simply preserve the existing striped lanes for a big chunk of 15th Street South, um, which is one of the few east-west corridors um, uh, within this entire study area. Um, and given that 12th Street has the transitway and will not be a, an easy um, place for bicycles, um, 
Army Navy Drive is to the very northern end of it. Um, there's no cut throughs on the Costco block at this point. Um, that really leaves 15th Street as the only opportunity to have safe, convenient, and easy uh, bic a bicycle facility. Um, and there are already uh, portions of that uh, by Met Park that have already been built as a protected bike lane. Um, the Transportation Commission would like to see that 15th Street corridor be 100% protected bike lane from one end to the other. Um, so th that pretty much sums up um, what the Transportation Commission was primarily concerned about um, with this plan uh, at its last meeting. And as I said, I'll be raising more of this um, as we get further into the meeting. Um, again, one last time, are there any other commissions that would like to speak right now? Um, then right now, what we'll move on to, um, I have as a guest speaker tonight, um, my co-chair for the PDSB, and actually the co-chair did the lion's share of the work, former Commissioner Siegel is back with us. I've asked her to step in, um, uh, to come back, to give us a quick, to give us an introduction um, to the discussion topics, which I will get into after uh, Ms. Ms. Siegel speaks. Um, she will also be available throughout this meeting as an information resource. Um, if any of our, during our discussion among the commissioners, if we do have questions um, that um, you'd like to ask of her that Mr. Matuzic or Ms. Gabor or the other staff members can't answer, um, you know, she is available um, for that. Um, anyway, uh, Ms. Siegel. Uh, thank you very much, Chair Lantelmi, and good evening uh, to uh, all of you uh, commissioners. Um, I will be very brief in my uh, introduction tonight uh, that will kick off our discussion for the Pentagon City Sector Plan requ request to advertise. Um, I hope you've had a chance to read the co-chair's report. Um, it was quite lengthy, but I had hoped in that report to summarize some of the key issues in the sector plan um, to sort of uh, make it easier for you to um, go through the now 160 some odd pages uh, to which the report has grown. Um, what I want to do in the next two minutes really is to outline several presumptions on which the plan is based. You've actually all already heard uh, these, what I am calling presumptions from Mr. Matuzak, but I do think it bears, re they, they bear repeating again. Um, the first presumption consists of the six, six development principles. And these are to refresh your memory coordinating at a district scale, equity, place for people, places for nature, transportation, and green development. These planning principles compose the development framework of the plan. They have been community reviewed extensively and they set forth the policies and parameters for planning Pentagon City now and for the future. For example, the transportation principle states, provide safe, inviting transportation choices that make driving 
unnecessary. This is really a, a value statement followed up in the report, as I think you've seen, with uh, subsidiary elements uh, and uh, performance um, suggestions for performance review. Um, our discussion should reflect that precept. Nations in the plan are intended to realize this principle, including such guidelines on the design of roads, paths, bike lanes, and streets, site coverage and design, and more. The second presumption, which was used to develop the plan, is the what's called the certainty and flexibility balance. The plan seeks to provide certainty and specificity for the public realm, streets, paths, or green ribbons, bike lanes, and open spaces. With the parameters provided for the public realm, private developers have, have options for site design and building massing, provided, too, that they respect the coverage formulae tree and vegetation requirements and densities and heights limitations. This presumption should provide greater certainty to the community regarding the type of district that will be redeveloped and also give the community more focus and leverage in protecting the vision for the public realm in the Pentagon City follow-on SPRC reviews. Um, Chair tell me we'll go through the agenda that we, the suggested agenda that we're working on tonight, and of course you can add to that. Um, what I'm saying here is as we go through the, our traditional agenda, density, height, open space, transportation, to keep in mind the six planning principles and the certainty, uh, flexibility balance that's been built into the plan as, as we uh, discuss uh, the agenda items. So. Uh, thank you very much, and um, I will turn this back over to Chair Lynn Telmey, who will read the suggested agenda for you. Thank you. Um, thank you, um, Co-Chair, former Commissioner Siegel. Uh, for, for density and value, um, possible questions could be, what public space improvements are needed for Pentagon City to thrive? Are the community benefits and mitigation sufficient to ensure it being a livable, walkable Pentagon City um, and has staff adequately accounted for the variety of typology um, uh, position in Pentagon City, um, consideration for the economics of redevelopment and other variations among the sites. For site building form, massing and height, um, questions could be, are the coverage formula sufficient to balance the need for specific dimensions for the public realm with flexibility for the developers and site design? Um, do the formula provide sufficient guidance and room for um, um, ground plane activation? Uh, will the coverage formula allow for a more focused discussion during the SBRC review? And is the variety of height allowances appropriate for this district? Um, does it support sensitive transitions, but also make the most out of this dramatic topograph topographical changes variety uh, along the sites? Uh, at the public realm, which includes parks, plazas, and green ribbons, um, does the plan provide sufficient specificity um, and, and incentives to encourage and add to the natural infrastructure in the area? 
Um, will it create additional public space and quality privately owned public spaces? Will it increase the amount of ground floor front frontage with planted areas? And will all these elements be sufficient to combine to create a robust place for nature? For transportation, um, how is the amount of development related to transportation capacity? Um, uh, is there sufficient guidance uh, for, and the right incentives to invite people to um, not use their cars? Does the county need additional programs to help people understand the changes in transportation circulation around Pentagon City? Uh, for community facilities, uh, does the plan contain enough information regarding community facilities? And if not, what else is required? Um, should the plan further reference park, park master plans and the CFP timetables? And will the update plan achieve the improvements in community services, infrastructure, and community amenities? For sustain, sustainability and sustainable design, um, does the sustainability guideline mark an increase in incentives that will help uh, push the CEP goals? And does the plan provide concrete incentives for the development of multi-site infrastructure such as microgrids and on-site renewable energy? Um, for equity, will this principle help realize the county's equity goals? More CAFs, greater racial diversity in employment and housing in the area? Will it incentivize greater diversity for retail serving in third spaces? Um, and does this principle combined with the equity principle create um, a strong diversity incentive. Um, does anybody have additional questions, discussion topics they would like to add? If not, let's move on to now over the discussion here. Um, starting off with, with the density issue. Density and value. Um, does anybody have any comments on this? Or for that matter, questions of staff. Hearing none, uh, we can move on to site building, form, massing, and height. Any reactions to the, the extra heights? Uh, yes, um, Commissioner Peterson. Thank you very much for the presentation and also for all of the public comment about this issue. Um, I think this is the appropriate time to ask just about the, um, the upzoning in River House and the 2013 Arlington Ridge um, NCP and um, how that should be interacting with this plan and um, you know, when do we make decisions to supersede one plan over another and how and why that decision is made. And if it's an accurate reflection of what's what's happening here. Thank you. I can take that one and thank you for highlighting that. Uh, I think my response should really cover the sequencing of the specific feedback that the county has received and has uh, considered in its development of the sector plan but also a distinction of the way in which county board uh, receives uh, various levels of plans uh, from the community. Um, so I, I'll start with the timing uh, in that I think several speakers mentioned the 2013 Neighborhood Conservation Plan. Uh, that plan did reflect uh, perspectives from one specific civic association 
and what we've tried to do is not just consider that uh, information and that material, uh, as well as other historical documents that have been prepared for Pentagon City, but really place place close attention to the livability 22202 materials, which are much more current uh, and also correspond to a broader uh, kind of coalition of perspectives from all three civic associations. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that we heard from all those individuals, uh, especially on topics where I think there was a lot of consensus, whether that be expressed through the uh, livability framework, the action plan, and some other materials that I myself had the benefit of participating prior to the pandemic uh, during specific working groups and workshops. Um, and again, from the recollection I have and the analysis that we've done, um, there was support for uh, expanding residential opportunities uh, within the zip code, uh, being innovative, emphasizing connectivity, uh, ensuring that other objectives, which this plan speaks to and, and I think addresses effectively, uh, were prioritized, uh, particularly with respect to the nature, timing, and expectation for community benefits that we may anticipate with uh, future redevelopment activities. So as we've done that, uh, we've also have an obligation to reflect and follow the guidance that was presented to staff at the April 2019 joint work session that I mentioned in our, my presentation, because that, that they present uh, fairly you know, recent guidance uh, and direction to staff to evaluate uh, a certain scope, a certain approach, and a certain geography. So I, I think the some of the statements that are made that Riverhouse was accidentally or somehow late in the process added, I think is just simply inaccurate because it does reflect specific guidance that uh, came from the, the county board uh, since at that April 2019 work session, several options for moving forward were presented. And the one that had the most comprehensive and generous study area was identified as the preferred option. So that, that kind of speaks to some of the, you know, the timing of the guidance and where it lives. Uh, I think it is also important to highlight the distinction between a neighborhood conservation plan, which typically serves a lot of important you know, uh, purposes and, and different departments in the county, I think, really take full advantage of the information, the history and the feedback that's provided in those uh, valuable uh, reports. However, um, it is worth highlighting that those are uh, accepted by the county board and not approved and not adopted. Uh, and frequently they are superseded by larger policy items such as area plans, sector plans, things like the public spaces master plan, all of which are adopted by the county board. Um, so again, in considering what the direction and vision for Pentagon City would be, we had to consider all of that information, the nature of the documents, their timing, and what other guidance did we receive most recently, uh, especially after Amazon's arrival, which uh, I think is hard to um, diminish the, the, the reality change that that presented and the opportunities that came with it. Uh, so I, I did want to highlight that distinction because it really is something that uh, influenced the early stages of this process. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, very helpful to know that more recent plans that were done in collaboration with the community actually did support this, this type of proposal. So that's very helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Commissioner Peterson. Um, I'd like to jump in with a, a clarifying question uh, for Mr. Matusik. Uh, this is regard to the Riverhouse site on the northern end um, and what the heights would be there. Um, currently, the uh, Riverhouse apartments are roughly 13, 14 stories high. Is that correct? Something like that. Um, how would 
the heights that are now being contemplated for that portion of the site, would they exceed the existing building or be the same as the existing building? And is it, does it depend, depend on where they're located uh, along the topography there as the hill goes up? That's a great question. And I'm going to see if I can share my screen because I think this graphic that we had on our slide that was uh, quite helpful. Um, second. So this is the uh, image that we used of the Riverhouse property and the different height transitions that are called for in the plan today. Um, the existing buildings range from approximately 17 stories, I believe, on the southern end. Uh, I think the middle building is 16, and I think we get down to 13 or 14 stories uh, near Army-Navy Drive. Um, what we've done is essentially identified uh, the almost unique sensitivities, if you will, in terms of how that transition occurs, uh, considering what is exactly across from the property line of the Riverhouse uh, residential complex. So in this case, the yellow uh, designation you see here uh, has specific restrictions that I think are uh, most conservative, if you will, where at the highest points towards the northern edge of the yellow strip, uh, you can reach stories of you can reach heights of five stories, but they do have to transition uh, to uh, heights of three to four as you get close to the property line. Uh, beyond that initial 75 foot zone, and where we get into the uh, orange designation, building heights can incrementally go up as far as uh, eight stories, uh, but then transition uh, along the edges uh, as well by one story. Uh, and then finally, uh, we have the uh, additional designation along the western edge fronting Lynch Street, which uh, has a maximum of 10 to 12 stories. So all the ones that I just mentioned are significantly shorter than the existing Riverhouse buildings, and this entire strip south of where the green ribbon would bifurcate the property uh, is uh, also further limited to not exceed the existing Ashley building height. Um, considering those restrictions and the fact that the uh, existing buildings are to remain, uh, the ex many of the existing view sheds that currently um, I think are uh, enjoyed from anyone living uh, further to the west of this property are likely to remain because the significant density that is actually permitted in terms of ultimate building heights is really located along Joy Street uh, across from uh, what used to be Pentagon Row. Uh, and I think we've tr strategically tried to um, make that clarification in the plan in response to uh, the concerns that have come up uh, regarding building heights, uh, but also importantly to reflect that the more we depress density on this significant property, the less it will have a direct impact on the community benefits. Uh, the affordability requirement that we spoke of, that is proportional to the amount of density that's proposed. So the less units come online that are market rate, the less that we can achieve on-site affordability uh, because of the relationship that's established there. Uh, and at some point, uh, we also begin to run into other feasibility challenges with respect to achieving uh, the other plan objectives on that property. Uh, thank you, Mr. Matuzic. And I have one more question. Um, is it true that when we use the term missing middle, we're not talking about affordability, we're instead talking about typology? And typology usually means low rise, nothing more than three or four stories? 
Roughly. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a really helpful graphic. I, I wish I had it available, but it, it really presents this broad spectrum of you know, kind of highlighting a single family home on one end and a mid-rise or high-rise building on the other. And it's really that the middle is really what's in between and the various forms and typologies that that could create. Part of that has to do with height. Part of it has to do with uh, actual form, whether it be a, a duplex, a townhouse, and several other creative approaches that the market just seems to have a trouble de uh, delivering, or there's not enough incentive to encourage that. Uh, and people just try to utilize, you know, more and more of the products we see on the two very ends of that spectrum. Um, so the missing middle does not really apply to um, the densities that we typically have surrounding our metro stations, but really the areas that are you know, that are adjacent and outside of those areas. Um, I, I did receive, I think, several comments that I think may have used the term missing middle, but I think we're really intending to distinguish uh, and perhaps highlight the incentives that we may try to pursue in terms of trying to create a, a, a greater mix of rental versus uh, ownership opportunities, um, which is not to say that those are not encouraged or identified as uh, ideal uh, elements of a healthy inventory of housing, uh, but they are subject to many of the factors that the plan simply cannot require, let's say condominium projects to be delivered. Um, that is th that opens up a, a, an entire series of other challenges that uh, a area plan or sector plan, I think, is not able to really influence significantly. Thank you very much. Um, are there any other questions on 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 heights, massing, building form? Okay, uh, let's then move on to um, parks, plazas, green ribbons, essentially biophilia. Do you have any comments on that? Oh, one thing to note, for those of us who will be attending the Penn Place meeting uh, coming up next Monday, um, this will presumably be one of the things we will be looking at in a more uh, detailed uh, uh, approach because the, uh, the proposed green ribbon will be included in the, the, the Penn Place does have part of the green ribbon uh, going through it. So just noting that for next Monday. Um, seeing no further comments on that, let's move on to transportation. Does anybody have any comments on that? Uh, yes, Commissioner Peterson. Thank you. Um, like my earlier question, I was interested to know um, about a potential inconsistency between um, another community plan, which was the um, master transportation plan bicycle element and how that potentially wasn't consistent with this current plan. So I wanted to get some clarification on that. Okay, can somebody on staff be able to jump in on that? Thank you. My name is Joanne Gabor. I am with Arlington County DES, Department of Environmental Services. Uh, so one of the things we are looking at is refining, um, I should say, in this sector plan, we wanted to refine the bike facilities and the bike network um, 
the bike master plan element that was adopted is now a couple of years old and we have seen a significant increase in the emphasis um, on the bicycle facilities and trying to facilitate those being completed. So while I guess I, I think of this more as an evolution um, and a refinement of the bike facility and trying to show what we think is potential um, and also trying to distinguish between the separated, the buffered and the existing bike facilities. Um, in the area. Um, so I would tend to think that as we're kind of moving into the future, a bicycle uh, program or plan should should be strengthened as we're trying to encourage more and more people to be using bicycle networks. So it, it sounds like the Transportation Commission and um, some of our public speakers feel like this new plan is weaker than the one that was um, approved in 2019. Uh, is that your opinion or do you, do you feel like it's actually stronger and maybe there's like a misinterpretation of why it's stronger? I think um, if I may, I'm going to uh, incorporate one of the questions I know is gonna come up even though you haven't answered it, asked it, which is about 15th Street specifically. Um, I know there was a lot of comments, uh, Transportation Commission we talked about it and some of the folks tonight talked about it. Uh, Matt, would you be able to bring up in the presentation and put in the uh, slides in the back that potential bike network map so we can all be looking at the same uh, graphic and then I can talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so what you are looking at just to orient everyone and familiarize yourself, everything basically in blue, either the solid line or the dashed line is to be a separated bikeway. Uh, everything in the peach color is an existing uh, bicycle lane on the street. So that's just the striped lanes. Um, and then the pink, again, either the solid or the dashed, is a buffered facility. The solid lines represent either existing or planned improvements that are underway. So it could be something that's being completed with construction as part of uh, Met Park, for example, or as part of a county project. And the dashed areas are things that are potential for the future that we are looking at um, and we are hoping we can accomplish either through the uh, site plan process uh, for the various sites here um, or through capital projects as sites redevelop. Um, and on 15th Street, uh, one thing you will notice is we do have areas where we show the peach color and we have the blue dash. And so that's indicating that we do have existing bike facilities, specifically on Hayes and Joyce. Um, and we are hoping to improve those facilities from just the bike lane on the street to a buffered, uh, excuse me, a separated bike facility. Zooming in on 15th Mr. Street. I'm sorry, did someone have a question? Uh, Ms. Mr. Chair, if you don't mind, I just have a clarifying question for what Ms. Gabor was saying about 15th Street and the peach coloration, specifically where the map zoomed in at the moment. Sure. Are you saying there's an existing facility at this location? Because to my knowledge, this is nothing more than a Sharrow at that point. I believe the Sharrow actually is closer to Hayes Street, where the exists where the uh, blue dash is shown. Uh, so I just want to make sure that everyone knows Ms. Gabor. So for the record, that, that section right there where the Costco is in 15th and there's no protected bikeway. There's no painted bike line. It's a best of Shero, and I take my kids down there. 
it's something um, again. I just want to clarify the the portion between Hayes and Fern. Um, I believe there is a bike lane closer to Fern, but you are correct. It would be a share. It is a Sharrow today closer to Hayes. Is that? I just want to make sure we are saying the same thing. And I know there is some construction going on today, so the uh, yeah, the construction may be throwing off what should be the in-state results. I'll admit, Mr. Bora, I'm just saying. I know that there's several parts in there where there is only a sharrow at best. Absolutely. You are correct. You're correct. Yes. And that's the portion, um, again, on 15th, just east of Hayes, where we do show the blue dash. That area does not have any bicycle facilities today beyond the sharrow. And that's why you only see the blue dash as opposed to the peach and the blue dash as shown um, on Joyce Street. Thank you for the clarification. Okay, Ms. Peter, Commissioner Peterson, was that, did you get your question answered? Do you, do you want to restate? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think my main comment is that um, if we are uh, diverting from a plan that s feels pretty recent to me, it's 2019, so it's only a couple of years old. If we're not going to be following that plan, which I know that the county and, and the Transportation Commission and um, and citizens worked really hard on that. If we're diverting from it, I'd like to see it um, becoming even stronger uh, as far as the bike network, um, just to kind of meet our, our, our county's sustainability goals. So, and especially because, you know, um, we're, we're a lot of our new SPRC projects are uh, lower parking um, spaces. And so, you know, we're, we're telling people they have to bike. We're telling people they have to use public transportation. We're telling people to walk. And so we want to make sure we have the network to support that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Peterson. I think you'll like a motion that I'll be raising later <laughs> on this then. Um, Commissioner Weir. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, um, I'm uh, grateful also to Commissioner Peterson for raising these questions. I, I will note, just because I'm a technophile and I think that these things are cool, um, Apple Maps now has, and you, this is, you will never hear me recommend Apple Maps again, I promise. Uh, uh, but Apple Maps now shows in Arlington the, the current canonical striping for all of our streets. So should you ever find that you have a question about what something is officially striped as, uh, you can use that other Maps app um, and, and find out. Um, enough on that. Uh, um, uh, uh, a question for staff. Um, assuming that you've had the opportunity to review the comments from the national landing bid pertaining to uh, a request that the further action items include further study in Crystal City uh, for the a unified longer term uh, bike network there. Um, uh, do you have yet uh, a formed comment on that? Um, I'm entertaining the possibility of a motion to uh, uh, recommend that that the um, uh, that the advertisement include language sufficient to effectuate that in the final form, but I, I am eager for your thoughts on it first. Thank you for the question. Um, again, just for folks that may not be as familiar currently, uh, what is shown the Crystal City Bike Network is something that based on County Board direction was facilities that were to be implemented before 2024. 
And so that is what we are focusing on. Um, I wouldn't say it is the, the completion of the facilities. Um, it is something we do have in the implementation matrix here. You will see it does say enhance um, and continue. I believe the words specifically are enhance the bicycle network throughout the area. So this is not uh, meant to be an end state, um, but this is something that is meant to focus on uh, changes that can be implemented by 2024 in the Crystal City bike network area. And again, for folks that may not be as familiar, that is the east side of Route 1 uh, between 12th Street and 26th Street. Thank you, that's helpful. Thank you, Commissioner Weir. Uh, Commissioner Hughes, you're up next, and then Commissioner Schroll. Ooh, thanks, it's on mute, it's dangerous. Uh, I have a question for Ms. Gabor. I'm going on page 87 of the draft plan we have from the 24th of November. And I'm actually going to ask about, I don't even know what to call it, but I'm going to call it the flexible old so or new South Joyce Street connection. If you don't mind pulling that up for someone, can we get it on the screen maybe? Is that easier for us all to talk about? Matt, thank you, sir. Um, yes. So I'm talking about that new flexibly placed road here. Um, between the in the or the at, right right sort of to the additional side of the new Virginia Highlands Park, and and what is staff's recommendation here? Why are we having zero bike infrastructure at all connecting into I'll call it the neighborhood of South the South Joy Street connection here? This is going to become a, a rather busy street with the amount of density replacing at that part of South Courthouse existing single family homes and duplexes in, in the Aurora Highlands and Arlington Ridge neighborhoods. So how, why are we having no connection of bike infrastructure here? Thank you for the question. And again, just to uh, clarify, this is the little dashed uh, realigned South Joyce Street you were speaking of, correct? Uh, yes, the ones Matt sees, yeah, his, his cursor is following. It has no markings on it. There's no parallel or perpendicular one. Or, there's no parallel biking path I'm seeing. And um, I, I'm really, really curious why we're ignoring it completely. So I will say, um, I think probably the staff, we can take another look at that. Uh, one thing I do want to comment, though, is while we are showing the bicycle facilities, um, what I'll say around more of the arterial streets, uh, there are streets that are going to be the low volume, low stress streets that we do anticipate individuals would be bicycling on um, that we are not showing on this map. You know, for example, 14th Street or 13th Street through Met Park between Eads and Fern. Well, those are not shown as bicycle facilities. Um, they are a lower volume uh lower speed streets um, that we do anticipate could be an option um, for individuals if they are comfortable to use those facilities. I just think that the, given the geographic barrier that's created by the, the, the park, the river place property, uh, we do ourselves a disservice not to ensure that the, the funnel point, which this road will become, are not wonderful opportunities to get into the network safely. I agree with you, once you're past 16th, it's gonna become a pretty low volume, enjoyable experience, but that bottleneck there is going to be quite um, quite the bottleneck, I think, for, for folks in cars and, and ensuring that it enters the system in a very more pleasant way, I think is something that staff should engage in. Um, I'm, I don't know if Commissioner Linton, I may have a motion to it, but I think, I hope staff can take that one back and really think about why it's being ignored. We will, thank you for that comment. 
Thank you, Commissioner Hughes. Uh, Commissioner Schroll, you're up next. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just wanted to follow up on um, Commissioner um, uh, Peterson's line of questioning, Ms. Gabor, um, just to make sure I understand kind of where st what staff's process is for um, 15th Street going forward. Um, um, I mean, first, I'd like to just make sure I understand whether staff considered um, in its analysis that that the 15th Street um, corridor is um, called out as a, a primary bike uh, facility in the you know bike element of the MTP, and I um, you know which is a way of kind of raising some of these these corridors um, to staff's attention in these kind of planning processes. Um, so maybe kind of start there, and I just want to make sure kind of I understand also kind of where where you might be going in the iteration that you're you're going to be working on in the future because I, I wasn't really clear kind of what that meant for the plan and and thank you um if you could pull the, ma the map up again matt please and then focus on the 15th street section between hayes uh and route one when we pull it up and i can provide you some more specifics uh as we kind of go segment by segment to answer which question is. I'm um, so starting, I'm going to start around the, uh, we're going to go from east to west. So Richmond Highway, between Richmond Highway and Eads Street, you will see in the eastbound direction, we do show the uh, buffered bikeway. The Actually, the westbound direction, where there is a little bit of peach just adjacent to Eads Street, that actually should be pink as well. Um, that's just a mapping error with the Met Park project that will be changed from a on-street bikeway to a buffered bike facility. Um, additionally, with the Met Park project, um, the portion from Elm Street to Ede Street, so again, the westbound direction is shown as the solid blue. Actually, in the eastbound direction, that should be shown as the solid blue as well. And again, that's a mapping error from our um, standpoint. I apologize for that. And again, that will be part of the Met Park project. Um, that was something that was discussed at length um, through that site plan um, and is something we were able to uh, provide with that. So looking at that section from Fern to Elm, it is a challenge. Uh, there is existing uh, facilities on both sides. They are relatively new in terms of the buildings that have been completed. Uh, we met Park 1 on the north side, and then we have the lofts on the south side. In this area, we generally um, we do have a bike facility that is just the striped lane, um, and we do have parking on both sides. So it's something that, uh, at this point, it is something we talked about with Met Park. And we did not feel it, uh, we were able to provide that based on the existing right of way available in terms of the curb to curb space. Um, it's something that, you know, as travel patterns uh, return or we figure out what the new normal is in terms of travel patterns um, and with the Met Park completion um, and operation um, up and running, it is something we can reevaluate in terms of uh, what the facilities and what the right allocation of that right of way is in that area. But at this point, um, unfortunately, we have not figured out a way um, to provide the bike facilities within the existing curb to curb space. Moving. So the existing curb to curb is about 100 feet, right? 
Um, I believe it is two travel lanes in each direction and then parking, parking on both lanes. sides and then the striped bike lane. I don't know exactly what that adds up to. So call it 50, 60, 85-ish. Okay. And so for separated, you would be adding what, like another six or sorry, something like that, six to seven? Six to eight, seven or eight, somewhere around there. The other challenge, um, and again, if I want to come back to that in a second, because I want to talk about just the portion just to the west of Fern um, to provide a little more holistic uh, look at this. Again, thank you. We were showing this. This, again, is a, currently it is just a bike lane on the street. Um, and part of the Costco, the Pentagon City uh, PDSP, that does have guidance in terms of what the street cross-section should look like. Um, when that was adopted, bicycle facilities were not provided. Um, it's something that when those come through for the final site plan, we can look at providing those bike facilities um, in terms of what that would mean for the proposed development. Um, it's not something we've been evaluating or looked at yet. Um, I think the other challenge we have is looking at the time horizon of this plan um, and also knowing that Costco is probably going to be there for a long time. Um, and so that portion may not be developed for a long time and it may not be redeveloped um, in the planning horizon, which is why uh, we did debate, honestly, a lot about this. You know, I think there's probably a potential um, to provide those bike facilities with the redevelopment of the Costco property. Um, but since we don't know that timing, um, it's something that um, I think is, is, is probable. Um, but I'm not sure it's within the time horizon of this plan. And so that's why we did maintain it as the peach. Um, it's something we could circle back with staff and talk about, does it make sense to change it to the blue dash as a potential? And so the, the reason I wanted to talk about that and then come back to the portion between Elm um, and Fern is the other part of that, you know, is then with the travel lanes, we need to make sure they align across the corridor. So if we make, you know, improvements, um, or we move where the travel lanes are for one portion, we would need to make sure it aligns with portions east and west of that. Um, and so that's where it does become, you know, that larger corridor um, needs to be looked at to figure out what makes most sense in terms of geometry. Ms. Gabor, I um, really appreciate you walking through that level of detail and um, uh, thank my colleagues for in indulging this line of questioning. Um, so, I think I would um, end with a couple points. Yes, you're absolutely right, Ms. Gavor, that we need to make sure that the travel lanes don't just uh, go in, in weird ways. They need to be um, consistent across the uh, the blocks here to, to, for safety and um, for sure. But I think this is the stage to do it. I think this is where we, we commit to making sure it happens. Um, and the plan also indicates um, that there's gonna be a mode shift um, a significant mode shift uh, away from SOVs. And so um, if you're going to provide um, that level of investment to get people out of cars, um, protected bike lanes is, uh, is a cheap investment and a way to do it. Um, I think this is the way to do it. And I guess the last point I'll make is it seems like you have uh, the width, but you need to take out parking. And it comes out of the street is the seven feet that you need seven, eight feet, it comes out of a parking lane, and that's a way to get it. So um, 
thank you, Ms. Gabor. Um, I will concur, with, I'm sure, Mr. Chairman, with the motion you'll be making later, um, and I'll yield back. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Schroll, and I'd like to align myself with your, your comments. I was thinking exactly the same thing, that maybe this is where the parking lanes have to be sacrificed. Um, as I said, this is the only this is the only opportunity we have for an east-west low-stress bike lane until decades in the future when the Costco site redevelops. Um, so, I think it now is the time to put in this plan that we will be putting. You know, as things develop, we will be putting in a protected bike lane along the entire stretch. Um, again, that's my editorial comment. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Weir, um, you're up, and then again back to Commissioner Hughes. So I mentioned that uh, I mentioned that one of the two maps uh, websites or or tools gives you the striping. It doesn't give you the lane widths. Ms. Gabor, do you happen to know off the top of your head uh, what the 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 lane widths for the the four travel lanes are in that stretch of Fifteenth Street? I have no idea. Um, I'm going to guess they're at least 11 feet because we do okay. 11 foot minimum for transit vehicles. Um, and just looking at it, you know, graphically, it doesn't look like there's a lot of, they, they don't like, they don't look like extra wide lanes. Right. Um, and that, you know, is one of the challenges we do have when we do have minimum lane sizes. Um, and no, I'm sorry, I, I, please finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, when we design something, we do have those minimum lanes. You know, if in the future, you know, if it's five or 50 years later, yeah. Um, trying to find extra width does become a challenge. So when you say that that we do eleven lane, eleven foot width lanes for transit vehicles, that that means that all four of the lanes are eleven feet. We don't do like ten feet and eleven feet. Or I I I I, I take your point that you don't know off the top of your head. I'm just um uh, uh I, I'm I'm just curious about it. And so uh, uh thank you for the answer and. Um, uh, to, to quote Commissioner Schroll, I'll yield back to. Thank you, Commissioner Hughes. Uh, thanks, Commissioner Lynch. I mean, and I don't want to, you know, keep going after this point, but I do think that Commissioner Weir and Commissioner Schroll bring up important points. And Commissioner Lynch, I think what uh, Ms. Gabor is trying to tell us is the pinch point, Ms. Gabor, my understanding in staff's analysis is the Fern intersection fundamentally. Is that a correct between, assumption? Between Fern and Elm. Um, and a lot of that, again, is because it is, uh, it was redeveloped relatively recently. Um, yeah. And so we don't see, you know, like with the Costco, we know it probably will redevelop sometime. Um, when that is, it could be a long time from now. Um, but in that area, we don't see uh, either building redeveloping anytime soon. Um, so we do have that curb to curb that we have to work with. So, so I guess I'll be real brief. I think in our next conversation, when we actually get to the motion making after the RTA next month or whenever this comes back to us, having those specific details of the narrowest pinch point for us to be able to advise the county board appropriately would be very helpful. Um, I, and I will say when staff says that we want a consistent travel experience for cars, I, I feel a little jaded there because I take this route with my kids, both my five-year-old and three-year-old hanging on the back of my turn GSD speeding down this road to the daycare plenty of times. And uh, I will tell you that when you send me out of a protected bike lane and into the Shero down here, I piss off a car because I'm traveling at 25 miles an hour and they don't like me very much. And I, they have a lethal weapon pointed at me and I don't carry anything with me to point back. And so I really do take this seriously and it really does bother me a little bit that we don't take it more seriously at the staff level. 
I think what Commissioner Weir is saying, and I heard, and I know Commissioner Latomi is going to have a motion for this, um, but we should be more flexible. If it means a nine foot turn lane, a nine and a half or an eight and a half foot travel lane, and then an 11 foot bus lane and a protected bike lane, we can do it. It's a five lane cross section at the narrowest point when I looked through Google Maps on it with a turn lane, two travel, two travel, and a sort of little tiny shadow at the, at the intersection. And that looks like the pinch point to me. So I think staff owes us to give the county board the right advice what the pinch point is so that we can help them give the right advice because i i really do I, I really do get a little offended when staff's like we need a consistent travel experience for the car yet i go protected shero back to just paint it and, and that's me with my two kids on the back so i just want to lay that out so that we all know that and i really do feel this way because i've gotten a new family bike and i run around with my kids now and um and we deserve to have a better facilities and we won't get them unless we demand them. So thank you, Ms. Kabor, and I know you guys are doing a great job. Thank you, Commissioner Hughes. Uh, do we have any other comments on, um, on transportation? Um, I'm going to circle back a little bit to the uh, Green Ribbon. And one of the questions that was raised by um, one of the commenters on the width of it, um, uh, Mr. Matusik, you had one slide up there that showed the width of a green ribbon, um, which included um, uh, <clears throat> the main section in the middle, then a couple of buffers. So it looked like for me, the overall width was roughly 48 feet, um, whereas the commenter is saying that the minimum is 60 and there are places that are na narrower than that. Um, so I I'm could you give us a little bit of guidance on what the widths would be for the green ribbon and where the flexibilities are on it? Yeah, I'll start speaking as I search for the appropriate exhibit. Um, but the intent of the plan is to highlight, um, again, in the balancing act of certainty and flexibility, at least a minimum standard that um, we can expect to be delivered with different segments, uh, but then also be opportunistic uh, depending on which particular site we might be at, uh, to try to develop uh, a, a, an additional experience, a broader environment there. And the 60-foot dimension, uh, once I can find the exhibit, speaks to essentially the dimension from a building edge to a building edge. Um, so if, let me see if I can just use the one in my presentation, but it, I don't think it answers all the questions, but I think it should at least orient everyone. Here we go. So this cross section um, you know, speaks to the minimum that we're trying to achieve in all areas, uh, but some of them, especially when you look at the map showing the locations of the green ribbon, where we have that thicker green uh, dotted line, uh, those would have an expanded uh, and broadened experience. The 60 foot dimension would be calculated uh, and inclusive of the frontage area. So it would be literally taken from this building edge all the way to this building edge. Um, and having all these different frontage types being expanded slightly. So there's only a handful of those throughout the study area. And uh, like many other topics that have been highlighted tonight, um, it's certainly one that we'll probably return to uh, prior to um, coming back in the February public hearings with uh, additional updates on that. So are you saying that it is possible that at some points it could be a bit narrower than that, whereas in other spots it would be wider? that 60 is overall what we're looking for, but we could go in and out? Or is 60 the absolute minimum it can be? 
in some areas, we're trying to express it as a minimum because what the number also highlights uh, is our intent to have a public access easement. So this is the other characteristics of all the green urban segments is that it's not just simply providing a pedestrian pathway with some additional landscape opportunities and biophilic treatments, but making sure that it doesn't just serve the property that it's on, that we are coming back to that original and really starting point for much of the recommendations in this plan about ensuring that there's a convenient and accessible pathway to existing and future planned open space amenities and destinations and that these spaces can contribute to. Uh, and some, I think, are strategically located where that 60-foot dimension becomes critical, uh, considering the amount of density that might be coming online, or perhaps that it is a you know segment of A to B between pretty critical destinations that simply will uh, likely have to carry a certain volume of pedestrians and even bicyclists. So, um, But I'll come back and, and work closely with the property owners to uh, verify exactly if there are specific pinch points that we need to address uh, and make further refinements to. Thank you very much. Uh, Commissioner Gearin, your hand was up or is it back down again? Uh, um, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. I had the same question as you. I wanted a little more explanation about the flexibility with regard to the ribbon, given that uh, we heard from some of the property owners that that might be um, an issue. But I do want to say, since I have the floor for a moment, that I am pleased with the plan. I participated in some of the meetings and heard the community comments and provided some information on biophilia. And I'm happy to see that the document uh, reflects a lot of the community issues in the development of the principles. Um, Mr. Chair, there was an issue I raised uh, with part of the review of the plan, and if, if I may raise that now, and that is... I'm not sure if this goes under community facilities or transportation, but given that we are actively planning for more development in this area, where can we include that vital link through the Country Club for emergency access? It's appropriate to raise it. Thank you very much for doing so. Thanks. So um, any from anyone from staff, either um, uh, Mr. Matusik or Ms. Gabor, um, that should be, I understand, in the capital plan, but I think the current capital plan that the county will move ahead with it, but it should be noted somewhere within this document that it, it is an emergency access. It is something the county has long range wanted to do. Um, it, it should be noted, at least noted. Yeah, and we've I've brought up, again, I guess our favorite map here, uh, to highlight that it does uh, appear on our uh, bicycle map in terms of the broader network of connect, uh, connectivity. Um, part of it, I think, is the degree to which a plan of this nature in this location, uh, I think, can continue to highlight the expectation that we are looking to still facilitate that improvement. Um, and I think the other aspect of this will be the continued uh, monitorization and, and monitoring, uh, but also bringing this back up during next year's CIP discussions. Uh, to have a better understanding of uh, when we can expect those improvements to occur. Uh, there's obviously the design element of this, which I understand to be uh, underway, but also uh, the actual improvements themselves. Uh, you know, we can always come back and see if there's uh, additional clarity we can provide on that. Do you think you should add that as an action item to the end uh, in the list of action items? Actually, before I commit to that, uh, our DES colleagues, uh, are there any updates on the design aspect of this trail connection 
because uh, I, I feel like simply adding it to our implementation matrix might uh, already speak to an ongoing process that uh, is funded and uh, may have already begun or will soon that would begin. Make really, that would make it really short term then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Dan Malf, DES. Yeah, you're correct. My understanding of this project is that it's funded in the CIP. Um, I, I would have to look up the exact listing for it, but um, you know, this is essentially uh, considered a an existing condition as far as this plan is concerned. It's it's. I mean, I know it's not built yet, but um, it's a baseline condition that's assumed that will happen. Um, uh, we can certainly speak to it in the plan, give additional references to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to happen. Good, but even so, you know, belt and suspenders. Um, it wouldn't hurt to have it in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good comment. We can we can certainly take that forward. Great, thank you. Um, Commissioner Hughes, Mr. Chair, only because only because it's my favorite topic, and I want to just almost cry for. I, I feel like my my time, you know, when I leave in eighteen months, you know, I have Commissioner Gary and Commissioner Lantomi, you both advocating when I'm no longer here. Uh, <laughs> since every CIP conversation in the past six years, I've brought this up, and I, I will quote staff on that that it is currently funded because it is not funded uh, on the last CIP that was approved, and is still. Uh, not yet a dollar has been spent to design or improve it, to my knowledge. Um, but I would like to, we were talking about areas for staff to include. So for the public record, I hope that in the next two months, staff will then take a look at, since you've included the note on the map of its connection, and then you've identified that area in your equity lens, how the two are interlinked for the improvements to the green space and the accesses you're going to provide in this plan uh, because you've identified in the equity analysis that census track outside of the area as part of your analysis and then you've put that connection in your maps and so i think that is your link for showing both its importance and how it will transform and be a part of this plan so for staffs to chew on i don't have a motion for it tonight but uh I, I will quote staff in the future that it is funded and, and play that one back for years to come. So uh, I look forward to uh, it actually being built and not having to keep on bringing it up. And thank you, Commissioner Gearing. Thank I'm happy you to be involved in both ends of that connection. <laughs> oh, we know, Matt. Okay, let's move on to community facilities. Uh, does anybody have any questions, um, comments, discussion on that? Uh, yes, Commissioner Hughes. Sorry. I, so I want Matt to, for the record, to walk us through, because I, I, first of all, I want to first give staff credit um, in the public on the record. Is this our first time with a student generation in an adopted plan, to my knowledge? Uh, I'm going to stop uh, short of taking credit short. for that. And get back. I, to I would you like to know to that. Verify. I'd like to know that answer when you next come back to us, Matt, because I actually think it might be true, uh, since I believe Kathleen McSweeney and I were the first prodders of getting them in the regular site plans. And I saw this, and I was hoping. Uh, so, um, would staff mind walking me through, and for the rest of the county too, so they can see what is being said here on the the bottom right hand side column, the total student number. I, I mean, we can all understand the generation functions if we followed along throughout the years. But I like to just know right here on the right-hand side, because it's a really, honestly, Matt's kind of a poor appendix for understanding what the numbers actually mean. I'm on page 163 of the electronic draft version from 24 November. Got it. 
what does 1,278 total students and how does that relate to the 339 at the top and the 555 in the middle? Can you help us just real quick? Uh, I will try. Um, so with, with this, and again, it, it's difficult, perhaps once it's printed and you have them side to side, it, it starts to read a little bit better. But um, what you're essentially seeing uh, is an evolution of a table that shows up, uh, I believe, on page 26 initially, which is kind of what I also alluded to in my presentation of, based on the discussions we've had with different property owners, the densities that are modeled in the plan, what, put, what could potential fill build out look like? Uh, and do we have any sense of the order in which some sites might come in for redevelopment? And again, this is a huge crystal ball. It's not in our control. We're simply just using the best information we have to make some assumptions and provide a little bit more clarity um, as best as we can in late 2021. So what we've done with the help of our consultants is identify the sites that are most likely to redevelop. Uh, much of the study area, I think, is going to remain uh, in this present form uh, because they have operating assets that are income producing and um, there isn't enough justification to change that environment today. Uh, and as we do that, uh, what you'll see is kind of a breakdown, it, what we're calling in phases, but this is really just the order, right? You know, what could come first, what could come second? And for each one, highlighting that what we've modeled, which is that middle row for each phase, is kind of a average assumption on the portion, proportion of uh, development that might be residential. That's our just initial estimate. The market seems to be calling for a certain percentage these days, but it could be less than that and it could be more than that. So accounting for this spectrum of potential outcomes there, we've tried to carry that forward uh, in terms of presuming what the future density might be as each phase of these uh, projects begins to uh, be realized. What we've done at the bottom of that is highlight the totality of just the development that might be introduced pending the full build out of the plan, which may take decades, and then adding that to the existing uh, densities that we have in the study area. And this is where you get to the final bottom uh, figure here, where we say existing and future. So considering that introduction to the table, if I pan over now to the right, what we've done is, in, let's just say uh, in, in this category here, the 555, for example, um, that represents the totality of students that may be generated uh, in the less uh, residential scenario of phases one through five. Uh, it does account for the different uh, levels, elementary, middle, and high school, uh, which you, you do can see the breakdown uh, earlier in the, in the presentation here where we track uh, th these different columns. Uh, so in terms of consistency with the modeling, for example, the average proportion of residential, uh, 702 would be the number that I think most closely follows the modeling that has taken place in the plan itself. Uh, and that again, that is the totality of students uh, accounting uh, for, let's say, 161 high school students. Uh, quick math, 137. Am I getting that right? 157 uh, middle school and uh, 384 elementary school students. Um, and then we're tracking that with what we were showing in our records for current uh, enrollment uh, and compiling it into a grand total. So if I look at the 1,041, if the assumptions that we have built into the sector plan are 
uh, valid and continue, and we have the full build out of the plan in the coming decades, if all that were to materialize and accounting for what's there in place today, that's how many students you could have uh, with, you know, impacting by our study area. Mr. Matuzic, thank you. And I just want to commend staff on, uh, I think it's the first time, it's the first time I can remember it in a large area plan or a small area plan being included that isn't site specific. Um, and it's incredibly enlightening and helpful. And I think it's incredibly enlightening and helpful for our whole community to know we're thinking about it. And I will also simply say, I noticed that staff's recommendation is for us to focus on existing county-owned infrastructure areas for the the location of any future proposed school site. Um, I, I'm a little disappointed in that, but I do not have any or plan to make any motion on that. But just for the record, I think that that is a little disappointing, and I think that um, we should be a little bit more forthright. And I think uh, shared facilities, be it library um, or school combined frankly as one of the only neighborhoods that has shared facilities between the government between the county and the schools i will be frank it doesn't work very well um, because somebody has to own the underlying property and it gets into a very much of a um, tit-for-tat relationship on a lot of issues so with that i'll say nothing more but also just thank you staff for including it and i would like to know for the record if it is you can send me an email matt but i, I would just like to commend you if it is the first time because uh, it's incredibly important for our community to know that we've thought about this as we're moving through a development process. If if it is, in fact, I, I will certainly share the praise with our uh, colleagues in APS because they, they have been involved in uh, making sure that those figures are included in a, in a plan of this nature um, because of the amount of transparency, I think, and uh, awareness, I think it raises with completely understanding the, the full impact of uh, the growth that we might anticipate here. Mm -hmm. And I do note your, 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 your plan is to present the 2021 uh, generation function factors if we receive those in time uh, versus the 19 generation factors. And uh, that's a crapshoot either way. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's best to, to say both, but good luck in presenting that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Hughes. Um, since you're there, Mr. Matuzic, I have one more question. Um, is, am I correct that we don't yet have a determination of the dimensions, the size, capacity of the community center that would be proposed as a public facility for this area? Well, are you speaking to the Aurora Hills Community Center? Right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think you're covering a, a a larger item that um, appears perhaps in two or three places in the sector plan, uh, most notably in the impl implementation matrix, where what we're trying to allude to, uh, because it, we just can't afford to ignore the topic, is that in the event that our opportunistic approach to try to find a willing partner in a private property owner as redevelopment does happen, especially the near-term redevelopment, and hypothetically ground floor spaces in those projects are not able to, for whatever reason, uh, accommodate a library space or a community center space. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why that may not be the case. Um, but if that does not happen, uh, we are going to be forced to continue to evaluate county owned properties. Uh, and the same goes for any school uh, environment. And as that happens, uh, and there's only so many of those uh, in 22202, specifically on the west side of Route 1. 
Um, what we need to be mindful of is not pursuing too many uh, specific siting efforts or master planning efforts at an ad hoc level uh, at different schedules, because there really could be a significant uh, benefit to having a coordinated effort that looks at the potential future conditions of the park, uh, whether or not and to what degree they might be impacted if a school were to be sited at the Aurora Hills location. Uh, and if that all were to come together, what could be the impacts of the existing community center and library if they had no choice but to return to that existing location, uh, but perhaps in a different configuration, perhaps with uh, additional improvements or expansions, but as independent facilities, uh, because we've learned from other instances that the public library serving adults uh, cannot really commingle with uh, a library serving a elementary school. Uh, so understanding those lessons learned from other examples uh, I think is something we were trying to highlight at this stage, knowing that subsequent efforts and the CIP discussions will uh, provide greater clarity in that. Thank you very much. Um, if there are no further questions on community facilities, let's move on to sustainability and sustainable design. Does anybody have any comments on that? Uh, yes, Commissioner Schroll. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Quick question, Mr. Matusik, um, about the implementation um, actions and how they can correspond with the policy for sustainable design. So um, in the policy section, it, it talks about encouraging electric buildings um, as feasible and, and you know mentions induction cooktops and you know improving indoor, indoor air quality, et cetera. Um, but when we get down to the implementation actions, um, that seem to correspond, it really focuses on the second part, portion of that policy section, which is um, focusing on um, building infrastructure around EVs, which is critically important and I'm supportive of, but I'm wondering about the first portion of the policy and whether that uh, is envisioned to be incorporated in the implementation action, but not mentioned, or if the impl implementation action is really meant to be more focused on the expansion of EV infrastructure and to more closely align with staff's current work um, on that issue that I know um, Rich Dooley and others are kind of working on. So um, just interested in, and if you could provide any clarity on the intent of the implementation action, that would be helpful. Sure, uh, and it just seems that from what you're describing that I think there's opportunities to elaborate on items seven through nine in the implementation matrix, uh, because they do kind of blur the line, if you will, in terms of staff's responsibilities moving forward and the monitoring that will happen, the, you know, I think annual uh, research and analysis on best practices, you know, new technologies and updating our policy policies in an effort to be more aggressive and, uh, forward thinking. Um, and I think that those type of statements blended with guidance uh, directed at the development community in terms of what our expectations are, stopping short of specifically highlighting exactly the mechanism through which I think they're going to achieve some of these goals and allowing that innovation to occur from site to site uh, is something that we're going to continue to track. Um, and I suspect over the next month or two, as we're doing some uh, final reviewing uh, of the entire document, there may be some 
kind of reconciliation between um, the additional sections that were added uh, and kind of revisiting the uh, core components of the plan to make sure there's consistency and if things like that jump out to maybe address those. So I, I have it added to my list and uh, we can circle back to that. Uh, Mr. Matusek, that's great. Um, yeah, I think um, to the extent that staff is willing to be more inclusive there, I think that would be wonderful. Um, we, um, as a county, I think need, um, as you hear, um, probably through your colleagues at every site plan, that um, you know the, the focus really on building electrification uh, as a key one, and um, and also getting away from um, you know fossil fuels for uh, building heating and for um, yeah, for cooking and things like that is critical, and um, trying to identify strategies for that. Um, also, for kind of um, kind of HVAC pieces, so trying to incorporate heat pumps and stuff like that um, in our in our future buildings. Technology, um, as was identified in a recent report that we saw in concert with the update to the building. Uh, green building policy um, kind of identified that some of the tech, tech is there and some of it isn't for especially for bigger buildings. Um, so I think if staff could be um, working on that in the background again to um, with your colleagues, I think uh, on all these fronts, not just um, EVs, that would be fantastic. So thank you for taking it back. Thank you, Commissioner Schroll. Um, if there are no further questions on that, we can move on to equity. Does anybody have any questions on that aspect of the, uh, the plan? Okay, and finally, any questions, issues on the changes to the GLUP, the MTP, or the zoning ordinance? Hearing none, um, I think it's time for us then, if anybody, you know, last chance for any comments on the, uh, on the plan, otherwise we can start moving on to motions. Um, I will, as chair of, the, of this process, I'll be making the motion and I'll actually be making two motions. Uh, wait a moment, I have uh, Commissioner Hughes, your hand is up. Uh, Commissioner, tell me, perhaps it might be a, a good time always as a reminder, and I'll ask a stupid question uh, before we get to the motion making soup of all of this. Um, as a reminder, this is an RTA. It's not not the actual right. um, approval. Um, and as my memory serves me right, uh, we are allowed um, – we can make motions to expand um, or contract – uh, but what we're advertising is the most flexible option available. And then if the county board wants to go down from there, that's fine. But if they want to go more flexible, it's not okay. Am I correct in that, Commissioner Lantomi, or maybe we get a staff person to help remind us of all those yes, um, nuances Mr. of this motion making? We've, we've talked about that, so Mr. Batuzzi can, can address that. I believe we're, we've gotten assurances that we can make changes. That's correct. And, and I think from my understanding, having spoken about all these elements with the county attorney, um, the specificity, I think, which uh, typically motions like this are, are directed towards, in this case, really need to apply to the zoning language, the GLUP and MTP amendments, uh, which will have a defined scope once the advertisement, advertisement moves forward. Uh, I think the plan itself, uh, for this purpose, is a living document and uh, I think can go either way in terms of 
the uh, additional updates that may occur. Um, uh, so from what I was informed by the county attorney's office is that uh, there's much more flexibility in adjustments that may need to apply specifically to the plan itself. Okay, so the GLUP, the zoning ordinance, and uh, um, the, the MTP changes would be would be needing to make sure it's as flexible as we want it to be. But if there's a, a deviation in the plan maps or page changeouts um, to minor extents, we'll call it. Uh, that's that's sufficient. That's that we can even make a change at the actual hearing for approval. Is that correct, Mr. Matuzic? That is my understanding. All right, that influences my motion making going forward. Thank you, Commissioner Lentomi, for Good. bringing that, that back up as a reminder. Thank you very much, Commissioner Hughes, for that. And that means that we can move ahead with the main motion. And rather than having my follow-on motion be an amendment to that, it can be a separate standalone because we would still be able to make changes to the, um, to the plan uh, that would be in my motion going forward. So anyway, let me move on. Um, uh, the first motion, I move that the Planning Commission recommend that the County Board adopt the attached resolution, attachment one, authorizing advertisement of public hearings by the Planning Commission on February 7th, 2022, and the County Board on February 19th, 2022, to consider the following elements associated with the Pentagon City Planning Study. Number one, adoption of the Pentagon City Plan, which is attachment two. Two, General Land Use Plan, GLUP Map and Booklet, Attachments 3A, 3B, and 4. Number three, the Master Transportation Plan, the MTP, Map, Attachment 5. And number four, Arlington County Zoning Ordinance, Section 6.5, RA 6-15, Multifamily Dwelling District, Section 7.12, CO 2.5, Mixed Use District, and Section 9, Special Planning Area Regulations, Attachment 6. Do I have a second? Speak up someone. Second. second. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Schroll. I think that was either Commissioner Sarley or Commissioner Hughes. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was me. It was Commissioner Hughes. Uh, okay, Commissioner Hughes, sorry. Just by a millisecond. As long as they got one. Um, okay. Uh, um, does anybody wish to speak to this or have any further comments? Moving ahead then, um, we'll take the vote. Um, Commissioner Weir. Uh, aye. Commissioner Schroll. Aye. Commissioner Hughes. Aye. Commissioner Guerin. Aye. Commissioner Bagley. Aye. Commissioner Peterson. Aye. Commissioner Sarley. Aye. And I vote aye as well. I believe that Commissioners Morton, Steinberger, and Patel are absent. If you're here, you can speak up now. Uh, I'm here, Elizabeth Morton. Oh, very good. Uh, and you vote? Uh, I. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners Patel and Steinberger are not present. Okay, good. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, the motion passes. Um, I'm also now going to make another, make my own motion. Um, 
Uh, Madam Clerk, can you put the wording up on the screen? Yes. So everyone can read it. Okay. Is this the one? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I move that the Planning Commission recommend to the County Board a modification of the presumption contained on the map and legend on page 87 of the third draft of the update plan so that the blue dashed line denoting protected bike lanes potential along both sides of 15th Street South between South Hay Street and South Eads Street be extended to meet the blue solid line denoting protected bike lane existing on the north side of 15th Street South and the pink dashed line denoting buffered bike lane potential on the south side of the street. And also that the legend of the map be updated to replace each instance of the word potential with planned. And if anybody- Second. That, okay, <laughs> very good. Thank I you, that was quick. Uh, who seconded that? Okay, so many people jumped in. Commissioner Schroll. <laughs> Wait, I'll let them minute. have it. Okay, that, that was Commissioner Schroll. Okay, very good. Um, Commissioner Weir, your hand is up. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I, I um, hesitated to make my comment on this earlier when uh, I, I think we were trying to be more in the mode of questions, but I, I, I just really associate myself with the support for this that was um, expressed earlier. I think that, you know, I, I, I think that the point of a... Um, the, the 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 planning for you know planning for unprotected bike lanes it, it, it's it's like building it seems to me to be like building a new house with aluminum wiring right like there's a reason that we abandon antiquated standards and and that reason is that if you build new things with outdated standards like unprotected bike lanes you're planning for people to get hurt and so i i, I support I, I just can't say how much I support the idea that that the presumption should be uh, that that we um, that that we plan for this uh, and and make it work when it comes time to it. So thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, any other further comments? Um, I, given everything we have said before, I'm not going to speak further to this. Um, um, I think we can now move on to the vote on it. Uh, Commissioner Weir. Aye. Commissioner Schroll. Aye. Commissioner Hughes. Aye. Commissioner Guerin. Aye. Commissioner Morton. Aye. Commissioner Bagley. Aye. Commissioner Peterson. Aye. Commissioner Sarley. Aye. And I vote aye as well. Uh, the motion passes unanimously. Uh, Commissioner Weir, uh, I think you may have mentioned you have a motion you'd, you'd like to raise. One, um, it's going to be very brief. Um, um, Ms. Johnson, do you have it or do you want me to, to, to share it? Um, if you don't mind sharing it, Daniel, please. Uh, let me uh, pull it up then. Okay, thank you. I don't mind at all. Just give me a second to resize the window so that it's not in invisible to everyone. Um, Sorry. Almost there. 
Uh, I move that the Planning Commission recommend that the County Board adopt the National Landing Bid suggestion uh, that the plan's vision statement read as Pentagon City will be a dynamic downtown neighborhood within the broader National Landing area. <clears throat> Uh, serving Arlington and the region uh, and a place where everyone is welcome and able to live regardless of race, income, age, and immigration status. And I'm happy to speak to it if there's a second. Yeah, I'll second this. So uh, I think that I, I hope that this is fairly non-controversial. Uh, the one of the written comments that we received from um, uh, the national landing bid uh, noted that the the current language really refers to Pentagon City in connection with um, with Crystal City, and stressed that uh, yes, I'm happy to put that up again, and stressed that uh, that that the um, uh, that, that the goal that, that there is in fact a goal to ensure uh, that there is a, um, a, a, a single identity and a, and a single comprehensive approach to thinking these things through. And I think that we've seen a lot of that already reflected in the importance of that uh, east-west connector on the 15th street plan. Um, the, the change really here is just right now it reads Pentagon City together with Crystal City. Uh, but I, I think that, that the bid is correct in um, articulating a desire to uh, um, to plan for the idea uh, uh, that this is one area. Uh, so I, I think that there's enough said on that. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Weir. Yeah, I concur with that. I think it makes sense that, especially now that the county board has approved that the bids merging um, into one national landing bid, that it makes sense that uh, we continue to identify this area as the larger, the greater area, which is national landing, rather than these separate areas, even though we will have two separate sector plans. Um, thank you for that. Um, do we have any other, any other, anybody else who wishes to speak to this motion? Hearing none, let's take the vote for that now. Uh, Commissioner Weir? Aye. Commissioner Schroll. Aye. Commissioner Hughes. Aye. Commissioner Guerin. Aye. Commissioner Morton. Aye. Commissioner Bagley. Aye. Commissioner Peterson. Aye. Commissioner Sarley. Aye. And I vote aye as well. Uh, the motion passes unanimously. Thank you very much. Um, do we have any other motions before we um, announce this matter? This matter finished. Seeing none, um, Mr. Chair, I before sure. we announce it and finished, I, I wanted to. Um, well, okay, this might my question may have just been answered. I was curious as to whether or not Commissioner Hughes was uh, going to uh, present any any uh, motions with respect to the Joy Street connector. Um, uh, so I'm I'm going to shut up now. Commissioner Hughes, uh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Lantomi, and. Uh, Commissioner Weir, I'm not prepared to make a motion this evening, and given that staff noted and indicated that they didn't uh, see an objection, I, I don't see any reason to make a motion, uh, and for the record, the letter can reflect that the motion is not being made because of staff's commitment to relook at this, and it was pointed out to me that a parallel connector was in a previous draft, uh, so I'm hoping it's a typographical error, so... I, my only my only question 
would be, um, and and I think that I think that we've settled it. But my only concern is that that the um, RTA be sufficient to uh, uh, um, include that. But I think if there's any question between now and the board meeting, you know, it'll it'll get resolved. It's it's I think it's a technical minor technical issue. So uh, I trust your judgment on that, Commissioner Hughes. Thank you. Um, I do want to thank so many people were involved in getting this draft plan done. Um, I'm sure I'm going to miss some some people. But first, I want to thank first co-chair, uh, former Commissioner Siegel, who did an enormous amount of work um, down in the trenches, working with the neighborhoods and all the other stakeholders in this area, um, getting to know them, getting to understand them, making sure that they were heard throughout this process. Um, that could have done been done without you, uh, Mr. Matusik. Um, amazing work getting this done start to finish um, in in a, actually a very short period of time for something of this size. Um, I thank Ms. Gabor also and the other staff um, from the other departments in the county who contributed to this. Um, I want to thank Aurora Highlands, uh, Crystal City and Arlington Ridge Civic Associations for their active participation throughout this and for coming up with the Livability 22202 document, which I think is a, a, an amazingly good document, which ended up being the template for this going forward in so many ways. Um, the CCCRC also, of course, uh, worked very hard on that, um, contributed to that. Um, all around, um, this was a very much of a community effort. Um, I thank the property owners for their flexibility, understanding, and their creativity in, in working through this to come up with and, and looking not just at their own properties, to look at the larger neighborhood and how that contributes to the value of the overall area. Um, so all around, I think this is an amazing process, and I think I'd like to see a process like this be repeated when we look at other sector plans that need updating. Um, I think this was a great great template for that sort of thing. And finally, this is my last planning commission meeting as chair. Um, I want to thank all of you, my fellow commissioners. You've been spectacular colleagues in helping support me getting through this very, very weird year. Um, your creativity, your willingness to be flexible and our ability to learn by doing our meetings in very different ways and still being effective, still moving forward. I think all of us learned a lot from this. I think we found things that work really well that'll continue going forward. Other things, not so much. Um, and it was great learning together from all of you. I continue to look to each of you for different things. Um, you all have areas of expertise and specialties that, that are strengths that I always look to your comments. So I always encourage you, please do speak up at meetings because you do, you do add to the mix here. Um, and you, it's, you know, this is where the 11 brains are better than one. Um, again, thank you very much for all of your time, your patience and your support over the past year. And with this, I can turn it over to our chair elect, uh, Daniel Weir. Thank you all. Um, let me do our final reading here. Um, this has been a, I get my script right here for this. Um, I do want to thank everybody who participated tonight, including the members of the public. Um, 
the applicant, the staffs. Um, the items heard this evening, again, are expected to go to our county board on December either 11th or 14th. And Commissioner Steinberger will be representing us at, that, at those meetings. Um, all of the staff that labored to make this work tonight, um, special thanks to uh, Ms. Johnson, our clerk, to Ms. Joanne Harrison, to the uh, to SBRC supervisor Matt Pfeiffer, uh, to David Wood, um, our IT guy, um, and to others who made it happen. Uh, our meeting for tonight is adjourned until January, until our next meeting in January. Thank you all. Good evening. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Happy everyone. Holidays. Thank you, Jim. Happy, Happy holidays. Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays. See you on the new year. Bye-bye. Happy holidays. Good night, Mr. Matuzic. <laughs> Good job, Matt. Thank you all. Great job, Matt. Mr. Great Mayor. Job. Thanks. Good job, Crystal City Mayor. <laughs> <laughs>